This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaker. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy, wonder I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gatto, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. I'm a 
Hey. So Wete, Mihi Noman, S. Stella, Ad Hoc, S. Back with the Oracle, The Barber Gordon Podcast, Episode 209 for July MMXXI. Backgirl the Oracle is also brought to you by milehighcomic.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issues Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Well, my guest this month, he barely made it because just a couple of days ago, he was tied up and he gave me a call. I said, Stella, I need your help. So I had to leave work, drive eight hours down to Nashville to untie him. Now, we won't even speak about how he got into that predicament. But here we he didn't he didn't shout out Sunstone. I'll tell you that <laughs> we can talk about that later on. But anyways, it's Donovan Morgan Grant. Yeah, my my wrists and my neck are still chafed from the uh, kind of rope used against me. You know, actually, I kind of liked it. But after a while, we, we had to get the show going. So I, I started calling you for help. I don't know why you couldn't call the judge. Don't you think your honor would have been OK? I think he would have been too disgusted to do anything and, and leave <laughs> oh, me there. Heavens. Well, here we are again. You've been three, three in a row. Is this a record? I don't, I'm pretty sure Tom or Shag have like beaten that record. If this is like uh, the last of my contractual obligations, like the one I bullied yeah. you to show up for, I suppose it is a suitable grand finale. Yeah. So this episode, we are concluding the Bruce Jerk murderer and looking at Bruce Jerk fugitive. And maybe he'll redeem himself and actually just be Bruce Wayne instead of Bruce Jerk. Who knows? <laughs> just like the previous well, two ago, but the Bruce Jerk murderer, we're going to be top heavy and just get all of the sort of miscellaneous things out in this first part and then have a break. And then the second part is really wholly divert, uh, devoted to talking about the, the fugitive storyline. So before we get into it, it's funny because the last episode was shorter, but we didn't have much intro stuff to talk about. And then this one, like things kept coming out. Donovan kept messaging me. And so here we are. So just on a, a somber note, I do want to note that uh, an artist who actually worked on Birds of Prey, DC artist, comic book artist, uh, Robson Rocha or Roca. He unfortunately passed away from COVID. So I know that that happened a couple weeks ago and, and, you know, the comic world was rocked certainly. And, and I think that brings into perspective, you know, still that, that COVID is still around and we continually need to, to be safe. And then unfortunately just that we lost an artist in the community and I enjoyed his work on birds of prey when he was doing it. So, yeah, I am actually privileged to be part of a, uh, a sort of like adjacent podcast community that involves uh, Jamal Eigel, comic artist. And he messaged like, like I think a minute after it happened, he got, when, he, when he learned of it. And I wasn't, um, the name didn't ring out to me, but I have seen his work on Birds of Prey. Not only is it a terrible shame, because I think he was like not even like older than his 40s, but it, is, it does show to show that like even now with the vaccines out, people aren't getting vaccinated enough. Mm-hmm. And with this current delta variant making the news is actually getting scarier and so if you are of age please get vaccinated if you're not vaccinated or you're, or you're waiting to get vaccinated continue wearing a mask because this is kind of like where 
uh, our world is right now. And, th- and we still not have this thing licked just yet, even though things are better than they were last year. Yeah. I, uh, I constantly, I still wear my mask in public places, still at the gym. I'm the only person in my office that consistently wears like it's never removed because we've been told the system. And then our boss has told us that if you're in like a closed space, not with patients, you can remove your mask. And so I just constantly have it on because I go in and out of the office anyway. So who really wants to take it on and take it off? But now it's just, it seems to be maybe a joke because the boss boss is retiring and she invited me to the retirement party, which she invited everyone. So it's nothing special, but she said, do you think you'll not wear a mask? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) So it's like everyone, I don't really care. It's just like, if I want to wear a mask, I'm not hurting anybody. So I don't know if people think it's weird or not, but I also have specialty masks that I've bought, you know, like I've got a nightwing mask. So I like to wear them. They're like another way to show off my creativity. And, and your lust. Uh, oh my gosh. I did look for one with a butt shot, but there really weren't any good ones. So it's like a really attractive one of like him smiling and like swinging forward. So it was a good one. But yeah. Yes, that a is a way one? to show off my lush. I'm sorry. Give a Batgirl one. I do. I have her. It's like old school. It's my favorite costume. And then on it's got the, the Capitol building behind her. Okay, so cool. Shows her uh, her two sides. Yep. Yep. Okay, so the other thing that happened is Black Widow came out in theaters. Do want to briefly talk about this, if only because I've got a question. But Black Widow, this, you know, fans have been wanting this woman to have her own film she's just Mm -hmm. kind of been in the background of all these movies but has survived and and her character has had some ups and downs as she finally gets her own film do you feel like the the film really showed a new side of black widow widow do you think it was worth it do you feel like finally we got a good representation uh of a female who's been in the background for all these films those are a lot of questions. I know. Well, basically, <laughs> what do you think of Black Widow? Let's just whittle it down to that. Thank you. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I I liked it. I watched it last week um, with my girlfriend Kia, and there is a caveat because we watched it after we watched the Loki finale, and we started that kind of late. So we were watching the Black Widow film late, and there's a bulk of the second act that I was kind of I don't really remember very well because I was trying to stay awake. Yeah. Admittedly. But I honestly, I, I can honestly and enthusiastically say that I really enjoyed it. What I liked about this movie is that I don't really love how, like, it feels like ever since Phase 3, the Marvel Universe have just kind of thrown their hands up and says, you know what, we're just action comedies. Like, like I think there's been a tone problem uh, for the non-Russo films, generally, and in ways in which don't need to be, I mean, Ant-Man, whatever. But, like, um, I, think, I wish Doctor Strange were darker. I think Spider-Man kind of needs to be darker and such. And... Even in the Russo films, which I really love, there are some moments where the, the humor is just kind of awkward. And I feel that like this one had a stronger command of its tone, especially considering Natasha Romanova's um, origin story is very dark mm-hmm. and always has been. I Because at first I was like, okay, you know, another flashback. We get at Marvel. We like going back to like previous decades, but it was, it was pretty serious. And it never really got away from that. And I, I like the fact that it was directed by a woman. So this is not just, you know, like, whereas Captain Marvel kind of wore that woman creative uh, element on its sleeve somewhat. Not to get too much into that, but I think that this one, uh, I thought it was just a stronger product by a woman in the, in the MCU, me being the ultimate arbiter of that. It's not perfect, and I've never argued that it's perfect, but 
I, it was still an enjoyable film. I thought that Natasha came off well. The other characters came off well, like Elena and uh, Red Guardian. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was solid, and I'm happy that I saw it. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, uh, what happens next for the characters by the end of it. What yeah, did you think? I, yeah, I saw it twice within maybe two days. I don't know if I saw it back to back, but I saw it with two different groups of well, just one individual and then and then a couple uh, because I promised to go see it with both of them. And so I wanted to the first one I saw on Thursday with the couple, and I want to withhold what I thought. And I will say that I. And I don't know why it hit me so hard, but there were three shots and two in particular that I can remember because the second time I saw it, I I didn't remember the the third shot of a basically unnecessary TNA or tits and ass. And I thought, what's happening here? So the one shot was when she was in the trailer and she was holding the box of hair dye. And was blonde, which I'm like, okay, that that makes sense. But it's like right next to her chest and it's like it's holding it. And I thought, what is this? And then the other shot was low as she's walking to the car and it's just following her behind. And so and that's in the beginning. So it completely took it out, like took me out of it, because especially because there's a female director. And I thought, wait, are we trying to give agency to this character? What's going on here? So that was just a weird, I feel like it was a weird blip. I'm not sure about that. And so that leads, of course, to my question, which you can ponder as I continue talking, but just what is the line between, and we can use Black Widow as the example, between being a sexual character and being like sexualized or objectified, which I know the argument has been certainly that she's just been an object throughout uh, starting in, in Iron Man 2 and, and really not having her own mm-hmm. agency always being bounced off of, well, what is she to a male character? And I feel like Natasha is similar to Catwoman, you know, someone that does own her sexuality. But how do you show that in a film? So anyways, so the butt shot and the chest shot, I thought this is weird. What's going on here? But after that, I I did really like it. I am a big fan of Florence Pugh. And so I, there was a lot of buy-in already for that character. And I enjoyed the interactions between those two. I like that Yelena calls <laughs> Natasha out for that pose. Which, the poser. Uh, yes, as the poser, which, by the way, there was a tweet that someone sent out that Carol, oh, hashtag Carolyn knows that that book cover for Superwoman, one of the silhouettes in the background is, in fact, Black Widow in that pose. And it was like Carolyn knew before everybody else that Black Widow was a poser. So just shout out to her. That was amazing. Um, yeah, the themes of family and, and what makes a family and, and seeing all of that come together, I think, was really interesting, really uncomfortable with the main villain. And I was certainly getting some crate like Weinstein vibes with uh, that whole, just how close he was the touching you know that girls are this resource that we can use and he probably did you know and oh man yeah i i think tonally you know it does have some jokes that you wouldn't think would be funny that work uh, just because of the people because if anyone else were to say it, it wouldn't be like about the hysterectomy that you know is like they go up into your insides and they spin it and then they pull it up you know that wouldn't be <laughs> but just like the way that they're talking about that and the father getting all like uh eked out i yeah i enjoyed it i the second time i was able to catch some things like the whole intro graphic become it it becomes more clear once you have seen the whole film just with the 
images and everything. So yeah, just wondering about, I guess, where's the line between uh, a sexual character or being sexualized and and how you do that? Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any answers on that? I feel like it's such a a tricky line. You know, I think Mm -hmm. of Fujiko Mine. I've talked about her before. I feel like that's sort of a character that really owns her sexuality. But then at times I'm like, well, you need to calm it down. But how do you do it? Uh, And also make the actress comfortable because poor Scarlett Johansson. I've seen videos of like five minutes of Scarlett Johansson being sexually not assaulted, but like harassed in interviews in interviews, like that really dumb stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, Mm. she's really had to go through this stuff. And yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they were successful in in that and taking that away? Did you notice the butt shot? I super did it. Honestly, like, I don't recall that. I would have probably owe it to my being tired. I really, really, really didn't catch it. Like in Iron Man, too. She is like, that's like the dictionary definition of being a sexualized character. Yep. And, but I know that like, uh, as the movie's going on and she's been more familiar with the audience, they've kind of gotten away from that. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've seen female fans comment like, oh, throughout every movie, she's less and less sexualized. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I'd be shocked if she was sexualized in like Endgame, for instance. Mm-hmm. But if you caught it, you caught it and it's there. To answer the actual question, I would say, as I'm reading this book right now, which I'm going to show you for my, you know, literature recommendations sure. right over here. I know you'll laugh at the title, but um, it talks about like, you know, the, the show Superman, or I'm sorry. Lois and Clark, the new yeah. of Superman. Mm-hmm. They talk about how like uh, that show sexualizes Superman for the sake of a female gaze, okay. uh, pretty consistently. And so, but that, that's a different context. You can't just like you know, just like that's not the only context you can do that. I think because I think Gail Simone, who we might mention soon, yep, says that like there's nothing really wrong with like sexy characters. Mm-hmm. That just can't be like you know the maximum that you take away from them. Like she had no problem having like Diana look sexy, sexy in her birds of prey comics, because I think she was confident that like the character was established as more than that. It just, it just depends on the frequency and the way they are depicted. So I think, I think, I think I can rely on that. Like, you know, characters can be sexualized, mm-hmm. but the gays can't be like discriminatory. Like, like Nightwing sexualized and no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's the main, so that, that's, that's a, that takes on a different power dynamic. Sure. If a character is established to be attractive, that's one thing. If there's a camera work involved where it kind of highlights and segregates parts of their body, that's another level of it, right? So that's a, I guess you couldn't really say, like, if, if, if Natasha walked off on the beach purposely showing off her figure, oh, well, she's being sexualized. Well, yeah, she's sexualizing herself. But if she's, like, just picking up a box and the camera zooms in on her chest, that's, that sounds pretty bad. Because, like, there's no, what's the reason for that? That's, that's kind of a yeah. – uh, that's kind of a um, – neutral scene so i i I feel that that's a closer way to kind of understand which is prefer preferable and which one is is less preferable yeah Yeah, i get that oh well well i I, you know i'm glad that i think scarlett johansson is happy with the film and i think she i was reading a times article with her that you know even a couple years before she said 10 years you know i guess it's been a decade since she's played that character has it been longer but she would never have been able to have these conversations with directors and creators of, you know, trying to own that character and and having more agency over who she is and everything. Uh, so yet another chalk up yet another win for the Me Too and Time's Up movement, because I think that really helped push forward the fact that she now has freedom to <laughs> have creative control over this character that she's crafted over how many films. So absolutely. And I really thought, well. I shouldn't get into this. This is spoilers, but like, uh, she does not anticipate being in any more films. 
which surprised me. But no, that's, that's, that's all I'll say about that. Well, I wonder why you say that. What, what would you expect her to do? I mean, this is a slight spoiler, but I thought that she would be like, I, th- I honestly kind of went to this film or I was anticipating for a while that this movie would find some way to bring her back. Uh, and it really is just a flashback story. There's nothing else to it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I, uh, she said that, you know, yeah, she's done playing Natasha. Yeah. I'm like, well, gosh, but I guess, you know, that's, that's what Florence Pugh is there for. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if the buy-in for Florence was low, then I think that's that's the problem. I mean, I was going in thinking, oh, yeah, Florence Pugh is going to be the next Black Widow or or whatever it is. So hopefully people like Florence Pugh. I mean, frankly, after Midsummer, <laughs> could you not appreciate that woman as an actor? So, OK, well, we'll move on. I do. If the, the professor's out there, I'd love to hear her thoughts. I know that she had love to hear her thoughts. Yeah, she had some quibbles, which I, I never think that there's like a, a perfect movie. So I, I totally get her quibbles. <laughs> yeah. So right in hashtag Carolyn knows. So, yeah, speaking of Gail Simone, I don't have it pulled up, but Gail Simone recently, like a couple weeks ago, I think she on Twitter said, OK, it's been enough time past the new 52. I'll answer questions for she had, you know, a period of time. And so people were asking her questions. And one of the tweets basically went through and we knew part of this, that she was giving she was given odd regulations from DC editorial of what she could and couldn't do. But now we we find out how ri- utterly ridiculous some of these things were. So one of them was she couldn't wear glasses, right? She couldn't be a librarian. Do you remember any of the other uh, stipulations? Those are the big two. Like, yeah, they kind of, a friend of mine, Alex Jaffe, uh, had asked her, you know, like, like that line that Bruce gives her, like, you're always meant to be Batgirl. He said, you know, a lot of us Steph and Cass fans found that really offensive. And she was like, I would never seek to offend fans of those characters or those characters themselves. I was given the stipulation that this is basically, this is like more or less Batgirl year one, mm. even though she had been Batgirl in the past. I uh, that's that's a comment I meant. I, I remember. Yeah, I, I think she was also like meant to like not have friends, and she had had to fight for Alicia, okay. and, and and all this just had those reeks as if we don't know who's behind. It's like what man wrote all this? It's like well, it's Dan Dio. but um, <laughs> uh, which is probably why she's which she's talking about it now because he's no longer in power. But those are the ones. I'm see if I can try to bring up. I don't th- I don't think there were that many concerning backer herself, but those are definitely ones I recall. Yeah. Oh, here's the one you you at least linked me to one in particular, which, you know, I, I wonder if given now who I am in 2021, basically 10 years later, almost of New 52, I wonder what I would look back on with Alicia, knowing more of what I do, because she was trans uh, transgendered woman, correct? Yeah, I, I remember us saying that with Dustin and I was not. Like you can't do this as a, to Alicia, this long running character who's been around for like a month. But I do remember like feeling that like it was kind of a tossed off thing where like Barbara's like, I love you, and they said, now I gotta go kill my brother. And I felt that like that should have been the actual story, which maybe, maybe I, I, I understand Gail Simone wanting to like ha- have that normalized in comic books as like, you know, it's not a big deal for Barbara to, to react towards it. But I did feel that like it was just in and out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's certainly not the worst part of that issue. I hate that effing issue. But, um, I, I didn't. I didn't like how she did that, and I remember reading that recently. And I'm less hot, less hot about it, but I still don't think it was like great. I, don't, I, I still don't think it was like the perfect way to do that. But yeah. there's very few ways. To, there's very very few ways to be perfect when it comes to being progressive. Yeah, 
so I did find it. She said, yeah, as I said, birds of prey was just two paragraphs that made no sense. So I turned that down. That, of course, Swarzynski, Dwayne Swarzynski would have taken that up. Batgirl had all kinds of stuff turned down. She couldn't wear glasses. She couldn't be a librarian. We had a cool hideout. She couldn't have that lots. So that was at least the one that you you tapped here. So I, I think, you know, New 52, I feel like they kind of went in there and were just throwing a bunch of stuff and didn't really have well-formed ideas. And so. <laughs> oh, you think? I think that too. <laughs> and then here we are. Well, I mean, we made it. I should have asked uh, about <laughs> Ferdy the doll, but. Oh my God, no. Man. I don't, I don't know. I, that was I, so, yeah. that was such an awful time. I, cause I remember like, I, I really hated brand new day Spider-Man and then the new 52. <laughs> it was like every month was, was, was just yeah. offensive writing. And it's like, there's nowhere to turn. I know that's when I started looking at like other comics, like image and stuff and like was reading Chew Cause like, cause like right now I feel, I, I feel DC's in a really good place right now. And so is Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 But like back then, no, I, I have no, I think, I think back then, I may have been too hot on the podcast, like too performatively angry. I remember yelling a lot. And it's probably not a good look to be yelling about like, you know, a female character written by a female writer. But I really I I I super I super did not like those stories. Yeah. And I know that Hope Larson and and um Magrid Scott and the others that came afterwards were never all that great either. But they never I mean, I, th- I thought Gail Simone's was and in utter fairness, I understand much more down the line that she was editorially handcuffed. Yeah. She's a smarter writer than just. It was not her idea to make that book a grim, dark wannabe. But as a product itself, I just, I boy, I didn't, I didn't like it, and I know you didn't like it either. You, I, I think didn't. you were, you were yeah. rent to tears at one point. Oh. And it's hard, you know. And that was a different time too. Like generally, I think it was a, a more or less joyful time in my life. So I just wonder, like, uh-huh. what would what would it have been like to have this really dark storytelling now? You know, during this darker time in in everyone's life because my main contention against it is just that it was so dark it was so dark and violent and i thought this is not this is not what i imagine nor do i think barbara gordon's batgirl or batgirl period should be i know Cass kind of toes the line with that but even she i think has really bright moments to it so yeah i don't know i don't think now that i've read cecil casalucci's run i don't know that it's the worst run that i i feel like oh dang i feel like new 52 might be above casalucci and so and then there we are with just empathy like what sort of empathy should we be having towards the writers and i do call them out sometimes because and editors because there is some weird stuff going on but i just wonder you don't know what's going on behind the scenes we found out later on that margaret scott like she was prevented from going to some of these bat conferences right so yeah that was was awful so i guess you can hold them to a high standard and i guess treat them fairly but also hold them accountable and then maybe afterwards be like oh i understand now what you it's like real life you know people can be really mean to you and you don't deserve them to be mean you know being mean to you but also at the same time well there might be something going on with them today that they happen to be that way I don't know. It's really complicated because you're dealing with human beings, I guess. So, and, and we love these characters so much that we hold them to, we have expectations. So, okay. So speaking of expectations. Speaking of expectations. <laughs> I knew it. I was going to say that. That was in my head. Speaking of expectations. Well, which one do you want to do first? The costume or the casting? 
in my head it was a casting, but okay. like, I mean, we there can, is also the can, costume. Yeah. So we got, you know, Donovan, thank you so much, by the way, because you keep me apprised of news because I'm just not, I just don't go searching around for it. So when it pops up and you send it to me. So Donovan sent me a news clip and then I, I read a couple other articles at work when I had some downtime. Basically that they're in, they've got a short, well, rumored, but they, it looks like they've got a short list right now for Barbara Gordon. Um, who are the four that we heard? And then it's kind of down to two, it seems like, but they, we could be way off and someone else could come out of the running. So what are the names you listed? Haley Lou Richardson, Zoe Deutsch, or Deutsch, Isabella Merced, and Leslie Grace. Yeah. So I have to, the only person I actually don't want is Zoe. And I just have, there are like three female actors that, annoy me either in how they speak or just like looking at them annoy me i don't know what it is but zoe is one of them i never heard of any of these women oh okay well the only one i know is uh the last one that you mentioned because she was in in the heights so anyway so i wouldn't want zoe but that's just a really superficial reason i think it would be amazing to have a non-white actress play her and i don't know what sort of continuity we are in because i was thinking oh is jk simmons technically her father or are we going somewhere else but that's easily managed you know to to figure out how you would get someone plus they all looked of lighter skin so that would work out well if we kept jk simmons but uh yeah i guess we're getting into it uh you know i didn't talk about it but they have the directors which were the directors of bad boys for life which i did see the film i thought it was fun i don't (laughs) think those would be the people that i would choose i was hoping that it'd be a female you know they have a female writer but it would be nice to have a female director as well that that that's just you know uh, yeah Kristen Burr, I'm sorry, uh, Kristen Burr is producing, is a woman. And the script is by Christina Hodson, who wrote both Bumblebee and Birds of Prey. Yeah. And Gail Simone also said, knowing that well, she wrote Birds of Prey. Well, Gail Simone also said this that like she knew that the directors and the writer wanted Cassandra Kane to be much more like her com- com- counterpart. And the producers or whoever was behind the film basically ruined that so if that was their intention going into i still don't think she should have been anywhere in the film but you know it would matter if she was like you know as she as we recognize her to be so if this is the same christina hodson you know if it's a if it's a written by a woman and it's produced by a woman that i think that that, that's that's i would rather a script with some needless fan service than like yeah oh in terms of directing than like you know the same level of director and writer behind it and at least we know that she can toe the line between light and dark because that was my fear with Joss Whedon and what they were originally doing. I just thought, Oh, this is going to be a really dark incarnation. Of what Jordan. a bullet dodged. Oh, I know. But now it seems like, Oh, well it might be, yeah, it might be fun, but have a serious tone to it. So we'll see. Be interesting to see what Barbara Gordon would be like if she, if Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn all of a sudden popped up at the end or something. That'd be a fun end. end credit. <laughs> Are you out? You're so you're so over it, aren't you? <laughs> Honestly, I'm at the point now where like I cannot be called upon to put my emotional investment in these in these media properties because it's it's always such a mixed bag like i, I honestly if i don't think about cassandra kane birds of prey is perfectly fine and even then that's that's still kind of betraying a lot of the characterizations in that movie 
but I, I can't like eat that matter even though I am. But and like personally for me, I would rather you actually set up a, a streamlined continuity because I don't we have this Batman year two movie coming out. And it's like after that you should do a Robin movie, then you should do a background movie. I don't like this sort of like let's do a background movie separate from everything because all I'm gonna do is have questions. And I'm not saying that like Barbara Gordon's defined by Batman or whatever, but like I am going to be asking where they are. I, that's why I don't watch Batwoman because like Batman's not in it. So like I have to put up with her fighting Batman rogues in Gotham City with a bat signal and question, well, where's the things that I expect from the franchise? Because I don't know. I, I personally just get kind of tripped up that way. And so Batgirl is always going to have a movie. It's always inevitable. We're just in the future now. Yeah. I just hope that like, it is not an embarrassment. And like, it, honestly, women are more likely to make it better than just, yeah. Cause guys, I don't think men understand Barbara Gordon. I really don't. Between the Killing Joke film, between like uh, a lot of like writers and such, and between like Josh Whedon, like I don't know why she's black girl. Like men of a certain age don't get don't understand that character. I think women do because women have always been like attracted to the character, whether it's the sixties or the comics or the animated series. They get her faster. Mm-hmm. So if we're gonna have a background movie, please let it be by women. Otherwise, I won't. I won't like it. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they. I mean, if it's successful and you had something. If you had a little franchise with her in it, it would be interesting to see what sort of traumatic event they would choose to uh, debilitate her with, whether they would go that route. And then, man, you know, I I just see the possibilities of of having ushering in different generations of of back roles and then finally having a differently abled person as a lead. You know, that'd be so cool. But I guess we'll see. I mean, other than uh, Professor X, I suppose. I don't suppose that you've... uh seen any footage of savannah welch from the titans commercials playing like i uh, have it someone sent me i guess it was the trailer i haven't seen it i saw a still she looks fine okay. <laughs> i really don't like that show and i'm not gonna watch but like uh you know um she, she looks fine and honestly she'll probably be a good back girl in, in a movie but um well actually like she genuinely is like missing a leg so like Ooh. if they were doing oracle she would she would be uh a good back girl in the movie yeah that would work out i uh I kind of am nervous about, I mean, is there just going to be this love triangle? I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's just going to be like, you know, just them saying the F word back and forth to each other until the season ends, <laughs> which, is, which is all that show is. Holy. Yeah, I remember everyone's like, whoa, Dick Grayson just said F you, Batman, or whatever it was. What was it like? F Batman. Yeah. It and, it, and, it, and it went downhill from there. <laughs> I remember we were at Comic-Con. It's like one of those, where were you when situations? Okay, well, I guess enough about that. I saw, I just saw on the Instagram that Colin Farrell is only in five or six scenes in the Batman. It's like I'm interested to see what this is like. I'm interested too because you're only the Penguin in five or six scenes. It depends well, on how long those scenes are. I guess uh, that's true. The Scarecrow was in five or six scenes, but uh... oh, that's true. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I'm looking forward to it, but I also will help trend the uh, Batflick. Batflick, get the Batflick. Uh, no. <laughs> No, no, the, the Pattinson. The, the Pattinson's time is now. I was, I was, I'm down for Robert Pattinson. I, I, again, like, I'm not, I'm not putting my heart and soul in this film because I think Batman Begins and Dark Knight were kind of the, like the peak. But I think, I think it's good casting. I think Matt Reeves has a really, really good foundation. Like he was listing off stories that he loved that were like not your usual long Halloween Dark Knight Returns Ooh, cliches, yeah. including the stories that I love, like Batman Ego, which oh. we talked about way back when in TBU. Yeah. So like. I am hopeful, but again, like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go on a killing spree. Like, you know, this is the only Batman that matters. Like a lot of Snyder bros did. So 
Yes. I'm, I'm all kinds of a mood right now. So I guess and now we're about to end it with one that you might actually swear on. So I guess warning for swears. How should I begin this? Well, first, I'm going to take your face off. <laughs> it sounded so bad. Stop Let me video. do it. Ooh, should we start from the present or the past? You're driving the car, so oh, turn wherever you want. I guess. Yeah, I kind of want to take a trip down memory lane. So let's start off with the past. I have to be sure I'm going in the right direction. Do you remember the time? Okay, so I would like to... I'm glad you can... Oh, look at that. Just... <laughs> Oh, oh, look at that. Go through all this. So, of course, this is the Babs Tarr and Cameron Stewart redesign of Backerel's outfit when we were going into Burnside. This is the first thing we really saw from them and about this run. And I I feel like it was uh, divisive, divisive. But also, I grew to really love it, especially because she really owned it. And so it was, it was something that she crafted for herself. It seemed like, you know, something that you do the eye holes, maybe a little big, but of course not as big as, as what we would see before, but just, yeah, I felt like we were ushering in this new era and this really fit that. Uh, so then of course we have this, this, who's it? Sean Murphy, the Sean Murphy design. Yeah. Where we're going back to basics because she's going back to Gotham. There is a bit of a an homage to the Becquerel year one, which you can see in the in the top left corner by Marcos Martin. And the eyes, even though they don't look so extreme here, consistently throughout the run, it was basically like her whole almost her whole face was was exposed. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was a so flaming he- joke. <laughs> So here we have the redesign that we just got from Bruno Redondo of Barbara Gordon, which it was, uh, it was only teased as Batgirl, that there's going to be a Batgirl redesign. We're going to see it pop up in Nightwing, but it will also really be prominent in Fear State, we've told. It's now clear to us, remember in the previous episode or two episodes ago, Donovan and I were discussing who would be wearing this. So now it's clear, of course, that it is Barbara Gordon. I was such a fool. Uh, I guess we both were. I mean, Twitter, my Twitter in particular, because I was on the mentions, was blowing up. There was like this debate between two men about, you know, who should be back role and whether Oracle's worthwhile and all of this stuff. And I thought this has gotten out of control. But as you can see, it's almost an amalgam. Well, it looks really like the Burnside, with the exception of the the cape, I would say. And then the cowl is really distinct now because we have gone the exact opposite extreme and shut everything off. And I stared at this for a while because it it the cowl kind of makes me uncomfortable, almost like. I don't know. There's like not as much of her personality or identity coming through with it. It reminded me of what well, reminded me of that. It reminds me of this, like this redesign uh, that I never, I really didn't like this redesign. No. I, I think that some of them are, are give and take. Some of them work really well <laughs> with the, the new Batman adventures and some of them don't. I, I really think the Selena Kyle with the gray was, she was beautiful. I thought that was the best one. This was like, wow, we really simplified it down. I don't like it. And then also I was looking, I thought, wow, that 
cow looks just like this from uh by mike mignola the cover of the the batgirl special just with like oh who is this just like really impersonal to me so i don't like it as much maybe it is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek like hey we're going from this extreme uh, of you can practically see everything which we have complained about to this right here and i thought oh i guess nightwing you only see the whites of his eyes but i don't know i guess for Nightwing, I feel like even if that's true, because he's just wearing a domino mask, you can see more of him. And this is just so much more impersonal. I feel like, number one, I am a bit upset that it's Barbara Gordon. I do think that it's a step backwards. I, I guess I should withhold my opinions until we see what it is like in action. Maybe this is her final time out. We've been teased that the chip <laughs> is breaking down, so it might be it. For her, but I also feel like, is this really a redesign? I, I don't like to throw out the P word, which now I've forgotten what the P word is. Plagiarism. I don't like to throw it out, but I just feel like, is how much of a redesign really is this? So I guess those are my initials. I would love to hear what you have to say, and then I might play more off of of you once you do that. But do you feel like this is a redesign? What do you think of the cowl? I'll throw those out there, and then just your overall thoughts on this this design here. Okay, I'll go. I'll go in that order. It looks like if Burnside Batgirl had aged like ten years, mm-hmm. and it was like back the the dark Batgirl returns, <laughs> and like the that costume grew up. Yeah. My least favorite part of that original Burnside costume was that her cowl was essentially like a helmet. I never knew how it stayed on because like there's not even like like, a, like an ear hook for her yeah. to kind of step it on. It's just like like it, it, like Solomon Gurney could just like palm her head and pop it off. And I was like, that detail is just bothersome to me. Uh, but otherwise, it was very costly. Does this one correct it? Uh, yeah, because like her ear, her ears are covered. Yeah, but it looks like her neck is exposed. So is it just a helmet again? Yeah, so like, her neck is exposed. So yeah, it doesn't connect to the rest of her costume. And like, Batgirl had a cowl that that was not easy to snap off. I'm not sure where all this like neck skin is coming from. Now I will say that like I I, I like probably more things that, about it than I don't. I do like the longer cape. I do like the ear the, the the size of the ears. I like the the bat size. I like I like the length of the of the sleeves and such. I like the black boots. I I, I think I think it works. The black and yellow work well against the color. I'm sick and tired of Barbara Gordon in purple. Like, we get it, Yvonne Craig. But also, like, for decades, purple was kind of defined by Stephanie Brown. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like they're just chasing that clout. And I'm, I'm tired of it. I, think, I actually think the costume doesn't look too bad. I think it's a decent background costume. The white eyes, if you look at the detail, they say that, like, um, they want to kind of play with it as a sort of a, with funny cartoonish expressions like Nightwing. So they want to make it humanized because it's Barbara, even though you can't see the whites of her eyes. Even though... Like the kind of flash mask, like you know, visibly visible eyes, has been sort of a Batgirl tradition, um, except for Cassandra Kane. So the purpose you, you, that one's that's one that does maybe not demand an explanation, but you would like one because it's, it is very different. But beyond that, like um, steak, yes, hey, hey, sorry, there he is, <laughs> and there he goes. Beyond that, I uh, 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 I was really burned by the whole like uh Batgirl, it's Barbara Gordon again. Because I to me, my, my first my first thought is like who was demanding for this? Who was to, who was like, DC make Batgirl Barbara Kick? Because we just had her. And this Oracle thing felt relatively new or fresher, or at least, you know, 
something different, something more intentional. She's been consistently presented in various comics, where there's Batman or Nightwing or Urban Legends or Detective Comics. So it's not like she went anywhere. Um, she's had great stories in the Joker story with, with with her father, who now knows who she is or who always did, I guess. So I don't know. To me, like like this better be setting up her up for to like never be back girl again. Because like yes, they're like, well, I can still walk, but my my chip is is fragile. But I just I'm so tired. I mean, I mean, I, it really reeks as though I know that ba- ba- Barbara Gordon has a lot of fans. I I, I it's not just obviously it's not just you. I, I know that like she has an entire fandom, but I don't know who among them are just so angry about her being Oracle that they want her to be Batgirl again. Which feels and I, I know that DC marches marches to the beat of his own drum, but like I feel that they're very like fan responsive at the moment. And this to me is, is like just who was asking for this. And I still kind of trust Tom Taylor ish, but this better be good. Cause I just, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's not that I worry that Stephanie Cass is going anywhere, but like, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of, of, of Bob Gordon running around when we have those two other characters taking up the Batgirl slack. And again, I, I think it goes back to a conversation we had before that why would you put Batgirl is not a co-character in somebody else's book Mm -hmm. maybe for a couple issues but are we setting her up so like she's always going to be hanging out in nightwing's book like what is that the black canary to his green arrow uh yeah i i don't i feel like we've progressed beyond that so you know the thing that gets me is just it's like stop and go it's like they tease and then they pull back it's one thing to be back girl consistently and like okay she's going through changes but she's still back girl but this is like she's back girl she's not back girl she's starting over she's a new barbara gordon like that's what what really gets me and so here we are again we're back girl again what maybe starting over i don't know so I, I have no idea. I do see that she's got back reinforcements. Uh, I wonder if yeah. that's to, to help her spine there. But yeah, I, I think the the issue is, you know, this isn't an unattractive outfit. I, I think it's just what it means that now, oh, it's it's, right. it's Barbara. If it's her last go, I, I hope they make that clear. But um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of her, 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 her black lipstick? They say her lips are the same color as her, as her costume. As part of the, as part of the disguise, so every time she she, she suits up, she she does her lips. I guess, and I guess she has to put darkened eye makeup on as well. So that there was a, you know, you mentioned Stunstone. There was a, uh, I can actually see this. There was a recent image by uh, that artist uh, Cedric of Barbara Gordon Batgirl, and she had her cowl off, and she had her eyes made up like yeah. Robert Pattinson. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, we could tell that every all the male actors had it. It's just like when they rip off their cowl, all of a sudden <laughs> it's all gone. But I would like to see it, which I feel like we do probably with Robert Pattinson. So that's an exciting little realistic detail. Yeah, he looks good. Um, I don't know about the black. I mean, what's the point, really? To have black? Um, Whenever I think black lipstick, I think of like a, a gothic person. I think the issue of, of Batgirl where like she and Cass are in that store with the Pokemon kid. Because <laughs> like one was offering the other uh, black lipstick, I'm sending this to you on, on on Facebook if you get a bump about that. Okay. I mean, so I I kind of think that that's like not necessary. Like, uh, I don't think that the combo characters actually do that to themselves. It's just like you know the artistic detail, yeah. And like pointing it out in live action is like kind of shoe mockery. Like, I, you guys aren't being that clever, but whatever. <laughs> it's, it's 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 a detail. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd like to hear what you guys, the listeners, have to say about this redesign. I'm interested. 
maybe it's just us or well the redesign i guess and then the it's not just a redesign i mean let's be honest it that's one thing but it it carries power it means something else uh-huh. so. yeah she's been an oracle i think for let's 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 be generous to say a year mm-hmm. um and now it's like hey everybody it's back girl. I, I i i i'm just built different i did not grow up with like barbara gordon is okay i did as a child, like Barbara Gordon's Batgirl, or Batgirl's Barbara Gordon, but I came up, I came of age with a different understanding. And people who are older than me, who, who experienced that same education, just kind of constantly go back to this. And, I, and I'm just like, I just, I'm just not there with you. Yeah, mm, I don't know. It's so complicated. So complicated. Okay. Well, I guess I will. Uh, we'll stop with this. So we will now move on. We we brought ourselves down a bit low. So we are going to move on to our find your joy segment, which is called Shag's Mac and Cheese of Comfort and Joy. So I almost called you Thomas. So Donovan. How dare you? <laughs> what, what has been bringing you joy since the last time that we spoke? What has been bringing me joy since the last? Well, I mean, I, I know I mentioned this last time. But it's I, erotically being tied up. <laughs> since the last time we spoke yeah you don't want me to talk about that do you no. um, but- <laughs> there's the face gosh yeah keep going please uh, when that happens I'm, I'm gonna send you a picture and be like you did this have you been watching loki okay let me tell you about loki oh no uh never mind I'm never mind beh- <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Let me just say, so you can say anything about Loki. Maybe don't spoil it. I'm behind maybe three episodes. Tom and I met for Kofefe at one point, and he said, you know, I've fallen asleep for during both Lokis. It's just like really boring to me. And I, I hadn't formed an opinion yet. But then the third one, I was like, yeah, it is a bit meh. And I'm to the point where if I didn't watch anymore, I would be fine with it. But I feel like I have to so that I keep up and and I don't. But compared to WandaVision and especially Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm not like, oh, wow, it's out. I need to watch it. So I'm a bit, yeah, cold on it. But please tell me. I would say that it gets better. Okay. Denmark and I watched the first episode. I that's all right. And then like, you know, kind of not, we didn't forget about, but we didn't get around to getting back to it. And then one night, Kia and I just like watched episodes two through four. And definitely by episode four, it's really good. And I think four through the end, it's far more investing. And it's very much a show that like did turn out in a way which I didn't expect. Because I just I don't have the fangirl squee appeal of Loki or quality of Loki fandom. Mm-hmm. I like the character and the actor, but he's not a favorite of mine. So I was I was knowing going in that it wasn't going to intentionally blow my socks off. Whereas mm-hmm. WandaVision had this sort of you know, curiosity factor and Falcon Warrior Soldier had a lot more things of my immediate investment. The finale is very like polarizing in terms of like whether people liked it or not, in terms of how they present it. But like it is a far stronger show than it started out as. And I do think honestly it's the most consistent show than the other two. I would say it's worth it. It's not my favorite. But I do think it, it, it is honestly important. And the end, the final episode genuinely sets up like the MCU in a very immediate and, and strong way. Like, like you kind of have to watch the rest of the series to under, it, it, it's like, you know, how phase one, two, and three were like the infinity saga with like Thanos and the Phantom Gauntlet. This kind of sets up the next era of Marvel films by the end of this, okay. by the end of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not Coco for Coco Puffs, Cuckoo, Cuckoo for. 
Loki puffs as well. I know that he's a huge fan favorite and that's just, he's not, not necessarily mine. So that might be another thing, but I also finished that gravity falls. Oh yes. Finally. I guess it did take a a while. I very much enjoyed it. Um, Even as of yesterday, we're still selling gravity falls stuff. Some, some kid was looking for one of the journals in, uh, (laughs) in the kids section. I like, I, I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was very solid. I like how, you know, it's one of those shows where it's, it's, you know, you, don't, you can't really find a character that you dislike. Maybe you care for some characters over others, but like all the main characters are very likable. I like the art style. I like the animation. Um, I think the sense of humor is, is terrific. And it's one of those shows that is, has a good heart behind it where they don't seek to ridicule the main characters for the sake of it they're very true to those characters like a lot of mabel's humor comes from the fact that mabel is a near bottomlessly positive person and the humor is not that she's stupid the humor is that 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 is who she is and you can get entertainment from that i think bill cypher is one of the coolest villains i've seen in a very long time uh i love his voice i love how immediately dangerous he is i think every time he appeared he did something that shocked me which is great I love when he like made that deal with Dipper. So he's he's, a, he's like, who's gonna be your puppet? You stupid! And he like just like grabs his, he takes over his body, and then destroys his computer. And I was like, oh, I thought that was great. I liked how um, when he summons all of his monster friends in the finale, he gets his car, and the car's like just playing this rap music. He's like, get money. He's like drives away. <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah, and like it was a very succinct, fun show. Uh, it reminded me, I mean, I was kind of comparing Steven Universe in a way because I know they came out around the same time, you know, separately, of course. And understand that this is a Disney show. This doesn't watch like a Disney show. It doesn't watch like it has the same sort of like concerns of the Disney brand. It feels very much unique. I'm kind of into like, you know, investigating more of this Alex Hirsch fellow and seeing interviews and stuff like that. Like I watched uh, the Behind the, Behind the Pines thing. And he's he's pretty young. I mean, he's like, I think he's probably your age, I think. So like, uh it's uh it's an interesting world to fall into and i'm and i'm happy i i fell into it my favorite episode is when they're like discovering things about stan and they, and they saw those those newspapers and like oh is he really dead is this a, is this even our grunkle and stuff and like by the end they're like screaming at each other and like like mabel don't trust him he's lying like that stuff had me on the edge of my seat so i thought that was great oh man so good and and i was telling you before and i'll say it here that it's such a diverse group of characters and i think it it has queer characters where you wouldn't expect there to be queer characters on a Disney show at that time. By the end, yeah. Yeah. And, and they do it in a way that's like, it's not drawing attention. It's almost like Shira, right? It's not drawing attention to it. Like, Oh, look at this. It's just like, that's it. You know, they just meld really well. And, and it's just this great cast of characters. So yeah, I think it's a fun show. Tom and I love it. So now you can join our group. Now to get started on the power. And oh, then yeah. once I once I finish that, it's uh it's, it's uh me and Steven Steven test. Yeah, Steven you're, you're, Neutron. You're no, you're driving into Beach City and uh staying with the gyms for a while. Oh my gosh. I yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you're, so, you're like, I'm not looking forward to this. It's like eight hundred episodes. You only had two seasons. But the episodes are like ten minutes long. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, eight hundred divided by ten, you know, it's still a lot. It's also Plus not in two movies, I think, isn't there? No, there's one. Oh, okay. Oh, are you done with your fire joy now? <laughs> My joy was revoked by that just now. Yeah, I'm done. 
Oh my gosh. Well, maybe I'll like it. I don't know. I know you will. <laughs> unless, you unless know you, I un- will. Un- that's, unless you, that's heavy. Unless you cross your arms out of pure spite and disdain. Oh, <laughs> and you're <right>. like, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know that I'm the queen of co- counter opinions and I don't do it like intentionally. You know, I just really like different things like Batman and Robin, still the best film out there. The best Batman film, sorry. And I did enjoy Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad. Looking forward towards the Suicide Squad. And all its raunchiness, I'm sure. But anyways. Okay, so my joys. So Jillian and I, (laughs) Jillian Valentine, a.k.a. Jill Valentine and I, we have been successful. We've received the Platinum Trophy on Resident Evil 3 Remake. Jillian and I survived Hardcore and Nightmare and Inferno Mode. And let me tell you, Nemesis on Inferno Mode is rather tough. I was doing that in 30-minute bursts. And had to put it down. <laughs> Took me a very long time to get him. And then the last uh, trophy I had, which I got last night, actually, was the minimalist, which I couldn't open the item box. So I have spent 25 hours with Jillian and we got that platinum. So my first, maybe only Resident Evil platinum, it was made possible by the infinite rocket launcher if i didn't have that there was no no way i was gonna get it so that made everything pretty manageable nemesis was manageable up until the final boss when you couldn't yeah it didn't really matter and then also today i had uh, i was going to come on and and rage i was going to come on social media and rage about uh one of my colleagues who said a transphobic thing and i was like really upset and then I'm going home and I'm in the left lane because all of this stuff happens in the right lane. So it's just better being in the left lane. And I couldn't get over to get off my exit. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just go over here and I'll get a meal from this one place, Kava. Kava. It's a Mediterranean place. And I've been there. Oh, yeah. So I thought, well, I'll treat myself. I'll go over here now since I'm forced off this exit anyways. And uh, the woman that was serving me noticed I was in healthcare. I saw my scrubs on and, and my ID and she was asking me about COVID. She's like, let me ask you about COVID. And I said, well, I'm not that into, you know, the thick of things, but I was just talking to her about it and just that I, I, it's probably always going to be with us, just like the flu. We just need to be careful. And so we go to the checkout and she's like, this meal is on me. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice. She's like, you're so nice to answer all those questions. Like, I feel like I didn't do much, but thank you so much. So that was a bright spot to my day. And uh, I guess I was meant to miss my exit and get off and go to Cava. So so that was a nice little thing. Very nice. They have the bad and the good. Perfectly balanced as all things should be. As all things should be. Just like you and me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just like us. I know. Okay. So we are going to do modern quickies now. And then we will... We've got a listener email and then, okay, yeah, let's, let's get through this. Okay. So modern quickies, we've got Batman 110, the cowardly lot part five, writer James Tiny the fourth, artist George Jimenez and colors Tomumori. Batman's bloody, no holds barred fight with magistrate enforcer peacekeeper zero one rages on in epic fashion. Simon Saint's master plan comes to fruition as his magistrate program makes its move on Gotham City and things are about to heat up, not in a good way. And then, of course, we have a backup with Ghostmaker. So Oracle still wearing the same outfit. I'm a bit confused. I was giving her the benefit of the doubt that maybe it was over. 
just a day and a night, but I think we're past that point now. (laughs) So, I mean, I like the outfit, but I feel like she's had time to change. But anyway, she is rallying and directing the Bat Family, so it feels very Oracle. There's also, I felt like there was a nod to Batgirl Year One, but I think it was a coincidence where Ghostmaker has to jump out and catch Bruce, well, Batman, and she says, you know, if you do this wrong, like your arm will basically like pop out. And I thought, oh, it's like Batgirl Year One where they cut her line like a jerk because she was swinging down and her arm would have been dislocated or anything. And then she eats a sandwich. So that's basically what she does in there. Then we have Nightwing number 82, Leaping Into the Light, part five, writer Tom Taylor, pencils, Bruno Redondo, Rick Leonardi, and Neil Edwards, inks, Bruno Redondo, Andy Lanning, and Scott Hanna, and colorist Adriano Lucas. Melinda Zuko's connection to the man who killed Dick Grayson's parents wasn't a surprise to the Blue Haven hero, but what the former Robin discovers about Melinda's ties to the Flying Graysons leaves the usually upbeat detective speechless. Okay, I guess I could have done a share screen here, but I put I, I like the description, like the usually up, upbeat detective. That's a good description of Dick Grayson. <laughs> usually upbeat. Oh, so Oracle called the Teen Titans and Batman <laughs> to help Nightwing. Maybe I will screen share because I actually uh, do. I, I, I got it right here. I did want to talk about the art anyways. The art is awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. I mean, since I'm pulling this up, what do you think? Do you think that it was used well then having different artists for the basically present day versus the flashback? Well, I mean, like this is the first time I've ever actually liked that, that I thought Donna looks good in that costume because I think that costume's like too battle ready for her. I I like her star costume, but like, um, Britt Leonardi who did the flashback is a previous Nightwing artist from like the old days. So like it, it, it was fitting. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I guess we can talk about this. Yeah. So what do you think about that? That <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she's like, uh oh, Dick. Well, he did have a concussion. And then who knows? And then Robin just happen. stayed there and didn't do anything. I know. I thought, oh, that's all you need. I actually liked just this bottom panel that she everyone's leaving, but Donna's the one who stays, just because in the past in pre-new 52, they had such a close relationship historically. Yeah. And so I like that she's the one that's staying back and being like, Are you sure? So I thought that was a fun little detail. I don't know if they're going to develop anything between those two friend-wise. But I love the detail that like it's not until Batman hears Oracle say the words Dick's okay that he turns around. I, yeah. Everything about that was amazing. <laughs> uh, so he wasn't being a jerk in that case. Or maybe he was. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and then we have, yeah, this art change. Do you like this art change? Uh, first, I'm not sure because like, like the, the, like the uh, coloring has a sepia tint yeah. to it. But when I recognized it was Leonardi, I was like, oh, okay, from like, the Devin Grayson run where Dick Grayson was a cop and like pretending to be a gay cop's boyfriend and stuff. So like, yeah, oh, it, it's this nice throwback. Yep. I did notice a typo on page 13. Um, you know, as a teacher, I have to point them out to you, but at the bottom, right, it says John and I weren't in, in long, just long enough rather than involved. All right. So who's the letter in this minor typo? It is Wes Abbott. You're fired. <laughs> My- <Said> Batman. <laughs> Uh, my only question on this whole story here is, does the age make sense between Dick and Melinda? Because they seem comparable in age. But does that make sense that I don't, Richard, wait, John, sorry, John had a relationship with her. She should be older than him. That's what I'm thinking. 
don't you think slight like maybe slightly significantly uh you know i actually never thought about that but that, yeah she should be like at least like a year or two i mean and, well, she, she could still be a year or two yeah but like uh i guess that, yeah I, I don't know i mean i'll be honest i this is the this is the the issue in the current run that i had the most trouble with just because it involves this gigantic i don't know if it, i don't know if retcon is the right term for it but like this revelation of, of yeah. dick's origin and whenever writers do that it reeks of them tr- dan slot like wiped his ass with this trope all the time they it reeks of the writer trying to make their mark on a on a character forever mm. and it, it and it doesn't feel like honest writing it feels like they're doing it for clout and that's a harsh way to put that someone on twitter the other day described tom taylor as somebody who comes off as though he's writing like dc fan fiction and i did not read any of injustice i have read the dc stuff and i've not read like uh, his suicide squad stuff i think he's a very good writer and i mean people said that about devin grayson too and i really like her run i don't think that's a, that, that's too big of a deal but i will say that like Oh, I'm your long lost part sister. Let me tell you about your parents that you didn't know. And I'm also related to all these other characters. There's elements of this that do come off fanficy just in the outline of what's happening here. And I don't have a real big problem with, like, oh, well, this is somebody that came from a relationship that John Grayson had with somebody else before he married Dick's mom, something like that. I actually have a problem with, like, okay, so Tony Zuko has been by Haley Circus like three times. That that actually kind of bothered me because like it wasn't it, it infers that it wasn't just to run his protection racket. It was like to get revenge on the Graysons, and I don't like that. It's it's like the burglar from Amazing Spider-Man went to the Parker home to find buried treasure as opposed to just a robbery and stuff, or like, mm-hmm. or like someone was targeting the ways. I I don't like messing with the origin, the simple origin that way. So I have a problem with that more than anything else. But you know, it's it's still a well-told story. Yeah, I wondered also. Hilly Circus seems so like on the up and up with this, like everyone was in it together to to protect that young girl and everything. I thought, isn't wasn't the Hilly Circus like slightly corrupt with all of this? But maybe I that, that 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 varies. It's not consistent. That's that's okay. like Thomas Wayne being a, an abusive father. Like that it depends <gasps> the writer. That's why Batman's a jerk. His father was abusive. <sighs> Don't give him excuses. Okay, you're right. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and then the final one is Urban Legends. Oh, yeah. Which you kind of mentioned uh, in passing. And then I noticed that there was a Batgirl story. So I thought we could at least uh, briefly talk about it. So the story is called Wild Car. This is Urban Legends number five. Writer Margaret Bennett, Marguerite Bennett, sorry. Artist Sweeney Boo, artist Sweeney Boo, and Sweeney colorist Boo. Marissa Louise. So Batgirls, Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown are just two teenagers breaking into Wayne Manor so they can play some video games. But you know, when, they always do. Yeah, I know. But when Cole gives them a mission, the Batgirls suit up and head to an abandoned arcade to investigate. Okay. So I have a question for you and then a question in general, I guess, maybe for the editor slash the writer that uh, shouldn't Babs have recognized that red card is Ryan since, you know, Ryan first appeared in the Batgirl book. Um, so that I'm just going to throw that out there to the universe that that was kind of confusing that you wouldn't recognize the homeless person you passed and have a relationship with. 
But with Cassandra, so she, it was kind of cute that she would say uh, like this, Obi-Wan is Luke's father, Ned Stark dies at the end of Sixth Sense, so that she completely doesn't understand pop culture. I think that seems <laughs> realistic just because she reminds me kind of, of of Captain America in the Marvel universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that he's like trying to learn all of this stuff and catch up. But some of her speech patterns seem now you will get brainworms. I'm trying to think if uh, there's something like a centipedometer. Are we trying too hard? I shouldn't say we. I'm not involved in this. But is is Bennett trying too hard to mess with her speech patterns? I admittedly haven't been really reading Cassandra Kane in the other books. Does she does this track with how she speaks? Did you notice anything strange in this? Uh, yeah, I did notice that. I think it's well, I mean, before, when she was reintroduced in like Batman and Robin Eternal and then like uh, Tenyon kind of carried her on. Uh, and then Brian Edward Hill did this a bit too. She, I, I really didn't like the way they do having her speak because it was like the sort of like it was very it was it was incredibly broken. And that's I just prefer, and I've said this before in your podcast. I just prefer it when even when she's capable of speech, she takes a lot of time in between words, yeah. and she'll she, she does it all throughout Kelly Puckett's run. Like she mm-hmm. she can say, oh, if if, if she's saying like you, you will get brain words, now you will get brainworms like she has to kind of process what she wants to say yeah she can say it but she has to kind of process it her kind of ha- having kind of just dumping out word salad it <laughs> feels like an approximation of it yeah and it didn't bother me here because like the things she was saying was kind of cute what i mentioned before about like like there's this pa- panel from like um brian over here's detective comics room where she's rescuing a bunch of kids she's, she's like i am help and i was just like she just sounds like she's like brain damaged in a way which just isn't accurate to her character yeah. and like I think that like they should just read the original stories and do that. I was actually, I, I was actually like anticipating to not like this, to like this less than I did, because like the solicitations were terrible. They're just two teenagers who want to just break into a man's house and play games. It was like, who are we talking about? But I mean, like <laughs> Bruce did like move out, so like whatever. <laughs> but they're in their costumes and stuff. It's odd. I actually, I actually kind of like, dug them playing games and talking about like spoilers and stuff. I kind of want more information because this has always been in the margins of like how. Barbara is related to them because yeah. I don't I don't like it's fine she's actually Oracle but I don't like Barbara just like treating them as though they're like they're like low-level interns or something like hey back girls like what are you doing do this for me or whatever it's, it's like there's there's it feels a lot more like bossy mm. and, and and granted in the, in the in the original comics and we'll talk about this here like, like she's annoyed at them yeah but it's kind of a, a playful annoyance and not like you know a dispatched kind of Hand, hands offish kind of thing so like it's like i kind of dug cast cast stuff in this i didn't like how barbara was coming off i liked the artwork but also and this is a complaint that a lot of people had why is this about ryan wilder is that her name yeah i think so why is this her story and not you know barbara stuff cast story i don't know i'm i the whole i was a bit confused with the story like this uh even though it says end i feel like mm, I, I don't think so. I mean, why is she covering the tracks on a murder at one point and then helping them out? I, I, I don't know. I don't. Well, I guess we're just trying to really shoehorn this character into is, is, is she even Batwoman in the comic universe? I feel that Batwoman has recently appeared, but I don't remember. Maybe she hasn't. Okay. okay. I mean, maybe we're just trying to give her a foothold and then she'll be Batwoman. I don't know if she can handle her own book or not, but this is yeah, kind of confusing. Funny, right up, right under this is, is, is like you know the is Tim, 
Tim Drake bisexual story. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Where was that? <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I forgot don't think the about story that. Explicitly gets into this, but like a lot of like Bat Family fans and Batman fans and Tim Drake fans are like, man, he's really gay in this story. <laughs> is it because of Superboy? Well, it's because of like um, there was a a school, there's a classmate character from the Bill Willingham run. It was only in a few issues. It's kind of, it's kind of a deep cut, but Tim is like relating to him oddly. Like he like he like dresses up to meet him and stuff. And I think Stephanie or, or Connor, or whatever, like who is this person? He's like, oh, he's um an old friend. It, it just kind of has some markers of like you know if you know kind of thing, uh-huh. and it doesn't really read as like mm-hmm. Tim questioning himself or, or whatever or discovering new things about himself. It reads as Somebody who always thought him to be queer, writing him to be queer. Interesting. And it's 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 amusing. So would you consider that queer baiting? Uh he, well, he did off screen in this story. Like this is the story that said he broke up from Stephanie. Oh, okay. Which if this yeah, goes anywhere, then, then it's not. Hmm. Yeah, that's annoying. Because like they were together through thick and thin in young justice. So that but like happened, um uh, in F- off panel land. Yeah, the, the, your favorite vacation spot. Ugh. Um so if this goes somewhere, we'll see. But like right now, right now, it's just like, I, it, it's just, I mean, as somebody who's followed this character all my life, it does seem to be kind of out of nowhere. But mm-hmm. if this leads, I, if Tim Drake turns out to be biased, that's cool because he, the, his relationship with spoiler has been consistent. Let's take take us there. Don't just ar- have us arrive there out of nowhere. Do you feel like it's similar to what they did with Iceman a couple years ago? In the X-Men? well, I was less well read on that character's history in so far as much as that like i feel like it, it was some sort of a small meme that you know, ice was actually secretly gay and brian bendis turned it into fact and a lot of people kind of complained about that back and forth whether it's like you know whether it made sense or were those cases of reputation so i don't know if i can actually make a call on that but here like honestly like, like i don't think tim drake being queer has really been a popular discussion with him uh, I think he, he has gay fans, like all the Robins do. I don't, I don't know. It, it, it is, it's this one of those things we're just kind of reading. It's, it's kind of like, and you're not going to love this, but like, it's kind of like, like you know, people reading Oracle and, and Black Canary and seeing them as a queer relationship, even though the comics don't lean in that way. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, it's like the same thing with Tim. It's like, it's like, well, now we are. And I've not read a comic before Tim Drake's come, come off that way before. But you know what? I'm not queer, so like, I can't claim that that's that's consistent. Yeah. I guess I I worry, you know, I was thinking about that with Barbara, that of all the characters, it would really bother me if she she's mega straight, if she came out, you know, as a lesbian or bi. And I'm like, why is that? Like, I'd be okay with everybody else. And I think it's just, you know, as a culture or society or whatever, we we seem to have this weird process. I'm saying we, you might not have the issue, but where we see this female friendship and we assume, you know, the that there's actually some underlying like romantic tension there. And I think that's one of the things that bothers me. Like, yes, I totally see that embrace. Like it could totally be like sexual there like there is some eroticism there but at the same time why can't two women just be friends like why do we always have to put this this erotic lens over it i I feel like that's unfair and it's almost like uh titillation so i i think that's why i'm still trying to work out why i don't like it but uh probably just because i wanted to end up with dick grayson but yeah so I, i don't know about Tim. i mean that's not I've never perceived him as being queer before, but I'm also not as well versed in 
in his history as you are. So if you're accepting of it, then I guess I'll go with it too. Again, I mean, like, cause like a lot of people think that like, uh, he was so desperate to bring Connor back to life that oh, like, that's, that's kind of where that conversation that might've started. True. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of taped me there. Like, like, like I think of all the bat, the bat. And I remember listening to, um, the Gotham Outsiders podcast where they discussed this and they said that the one that makes the most sense to be queer would probably be Dick just because he's, he, he's much more like, I don't know, he's, he's much less concerned about that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, again, take me there with Tim because I, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that. Like, you know, he was like, like stepping some sort of beard. He clearly loved her, but just take me to where if he's discovering new things about himself rather than like, Oh, well, my fanfic says he is. So just, and that's a mean thing for me to say, but like, but like there, there are irresponsible writers no, that have, yeah work with characters yeah. before so like you know yeah. uh and he's one of my absolute favorite characters because i've read him for so long i want i want to get there rather than but at the same time that discomfort that you're mentioning kind of comes from i think fans and readers who have not been represented finally getting uh creative control and so there may be some sort of like 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 switched feelings of like well my experience is not being re- represented and my experience with this character so it it's complicated at this point, it's mostly a joke, but like, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, though, that I don't know that that makes me feel a bit uncomfortable that it's a joke, you know, mostly a joke. I feel like queer baiting is a dangerous thing because people are looking for representation oh, and yeah. to, to find out, you know, oh, I people love Tim Drake. That's like the, I would say the vast majority. I'm out of it because you know Damien's my favorite Robin, but the vast majority, you know, so to find out that oh my favorite Robin is like me, like that would be super exciting for so many people, and to have that snatch back is really offensive. <laughs> so yeah, I I caution the writers. It's not like they listen to it, but my show. But anyways, I did like I, I shut it down anyways, but just with the Cass and Steph interactions, I felt like you got to know them a bit more. And well, you got to know, they got to know each other a bit more, especially, you know, Cass, how she is fine with video games, but she doesn't, you know, fake battles aren't real battles, that sort of thing. So just how she connects real life with the funds that she's doing too. So, but we'll see. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see if that story, if anything comes of it. Okay. So that's it for our quickies. I have one listener email. It's an angry listener email. Mail Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Are you going to yell it, yell it into the microphone? Uh... He did. <laughs> he did do some capitals, so I can be forceful on the capital. So the uh, subject, <laughs> the subject is Winona, and in parentheses, not that shoplifter. So he says, "Greetings and salutations, Stella. How dare you? How dare you?" <laughs> Her name is Winona Ryder. Not that shoplifter. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? She was in Heather's, Edward Scissor's hands, Reality Bites. She was nominated for an Oscar. And everyone, and I mean everyone, in the late 80s and early 90s crushed a heart on her. What is your damage, Tom? You had it coming. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I try. well, Well, what's worse that I called her? that shoplifter or that you knew exactly who I was talking about. 
If I corrected you, it must have been cut out of the, the audio because, like, <laughs> what do you mean corrected me? You said, "Oh, oh, 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 Winona Ryder." You said it. You knew exactly who it was. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, yeah. So I don't know why he doesn't call you out. That's double standard, right there. Well, Tom, I understand. You know, his pop culture for David uh, content is such an eighties. He's stuck in the eighties, but He's like stuck uh, in them. <laughs> uh, I, I just. It's, it's amusing. Have you have you seen Heather's? I have long time ago. No, oh, I hated that writing, but like it's ultimately a good movie. But like, um, yeah, that's 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 amusing to me, and uh, you deserve every bit of acrimony that, that I know. You've it's because I call you out all the time. Okay, people, we're actually going to get into it now. So, I want to talk about or just briefly mention that. There are some discrepancies with how issues are listed where you go and how like order wise where you can find them and how we are reading. So uh, Donovan and I are reading in two different ways. I've got the 2014, which is the most modern edition, and it was one thick trade, but it's also fugitive also continued from the previous murder trade so i had to finish that and then get come over here and donovan you have the three ver the three trades what year was that from was that like 2002 uh possibly because you can see like the original bullet yeah um if i could just like uh, flip towards the uh the production summary from the very beginning with the speed of my fingers this was published yeah 2002 wow uh almost 20 years ago so I just want to say that right off the the top. So if you go on Wikipedia, they will give you what you need to read in their order and they name the parts. Donovan, and I'm very appreciative of this, spent an afternoon going through his trades and going in proper order. And so how we're going to do it is the actual reading list in exact order as he said so we all it'll be hard for me when i'm doing share screen because i'll be flipping around but just be aware that we're going off of what donovan has painstakingly done if you want to of course just follow along in your trades or what wikipedia is doing i also have to say that i will be uh, accidentally skipping some issues like some uh a back row issue i guess 26 right skipping oh, yeah, 26. That's to do with this. yeah and then 43 birds of prey 43 or is it 41 just has the stuff that's part of fugitive but ignores other things in my trade so i'm gonna have to come back and do actual reviews so even though i'm skipping some of the birds of prey and back row coverage to do this i will come back and do those later on so just be aware of that so i think that's all i have to say as like a caveat so i'm going to give like the synopsis that wiki wikipedia has given and then don what don is going to do is go, is go through the 50 bajillion issues and just give what the publisher has said of these issues and then we're going to take our actual break and then we're going to come back and go through them Whew. oh boy this will be a time this will be a time God. Okay. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I think what's funny is folks friends listeners watchers i thought we were going to do fugitive murderer and fugitive in one episode 
And boy, I'm glad that I looked at Wikipedia before I started to do that because that would have been a night. This okay. is the hardest I've ever prepared for Batgirl Oracle <laughs> in all the it, years we've done this. It took me three days, three solid days. I shouldn't say solid. It took me three days to read all the issues and, and everything. So it was it was certainly a time. So, yeah. OK, so here's the synopsis from Wikipedia. And there, of course, will be spoilers here. So with Batman free, the Batman family continues to investigate the circumstances of the crime. Many start to doubt Bruce's innocence. Oracle, with some assistance from Black Canary, recovers a disc proving the journal entries from Vesper's apartment had been altered. This means Vesper did not actually know Batman's identity. Meanwhile, Batgirl, upon uncovering Vesper's corpse, uncovering, you mean digging up Vesper's corpse, realizes that Vesper was killed using a nerve strike and careful beatings. Oh no, like Sunstone. Whereas the evidence (laughs) (laughs) suggests... So you didn't read it. I did read it. I did. We can talk about it. Um, We're careful beatings. Whereas the... (laughs) That's not why Vesper is dead. Well, who knows? Anyway. Who who knows? We don't know how she died. She died of natural causes. Drug. Okay. That girl just found her in the ground. Yeah. Whereas the evidence suggests it was a spur of the moment attack on Bruce's part. Nightwing and Alfred discover that infiltration of the Batcave is possible and ties in with the police's timely entrance at Wayne Manor. With further assistance from Robin, they uncover some evidence in their search, although Nightwing is forced to acknowledge that nothing that they have discovered is anything that Batman couldn't have reasonably planted to throw them off, even if he considers it ridiculous that Batman would kill someone and frame himself for the crime. After the group reviews the evidence and Nightwing and Batgirl stage how the murder took place based on the tape recording of Vesper's last moments, Nightwing is now convinced that the Bruce he knows could not have committed the murder and decides their next move is to focus on gathering evidence that would not compromise Bruce's secret identity. At the same time, Batman launches his own independent investigation into his framing and steadily uncovers a conspiracy against Bruce Wayne after a run-in with David Syed of Checkmate. Subsequently, having Syed committed to Arkham under a false name in case he needs him later. Did that happen? No, that's false. It was um, Amherst. Yeah, Amherst. Syed's still wandering around, so that is incorrect. Wikipedia. <laughs> can't trust Wikipedia. You can't. A confrontation. So, yeah, subsequently having Amherst, who was another agent, committed to Arkham from the under the NSA, uh, committed to Arkham under a false name in case he needs him later. A confrontation between himself and Catwoman prompts Batman to realize how important his Bruce Wayne identity is. He is moved to protect a wounded criminal during their meeting because that is what his father, Thomas Wayne, would have done. An earlier meeting with the detective who confronted him after his parents' deaths also serves to reinforce the importance of Bruce Wayne in Batman's life. As far as the detective is concerned it was bruce wayne's life that was forever defined by the death of his parents and the detective is also convinced that whatever bruce wayne became that night he did not become a killer after returning to the Batcave and apologizing for his past actions <gasps> he apologized batman reveals to the batman family <clears throat> that the murderer is david kane oh my goodness which he had deduced <laughs> solely on the evidence that batgirl found earlier the nerve strike that was used to immobilize vesper is one that bruce wayne learned from kane kane had been hired by then president lex luther to discredit bruce wayne for his stance against luther during the no man's land storyline kane subsequently deduces batman's true identity recalling his own acquaintance with a young bruce when bruce went to him for training he was thus able to frame 
blame him for a crime where the only motive was Batman's desire to protect his identity. Capturing Kane, Bruce's name is subsequently cleared. Kane keeping Bruce's identity as Batman secret to protect his daughter. And he ends up, this ends, but basically Kane ends up giving himself up. So Bruce is cleared of charges. Unfortunately, Sasha Bordeaux is not cleared of charges. She's killed in prison. And then she, she's actually taken in by checkmate. She becomes an agent of checkmate. And I think that kind of wraps up everything, but we'll talk about all those things. Okay. So that's a very somewhat interact, well, partially inaccurate synopsis, but Donovan, do you want to take it away with, oof, with what? Yeah. The publisher synopses. Here we go, people. So this is, if you want to follow the order of what we're doing, this is how we're doing it. Okay, time me. Get a stopwatch. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Birds of Prey 41, Bruce Wayne has gone on the lamb, and with the Batman missing, the question of guilt is proving tough for Oracle. Extreme times call for extreme measures, and Oracle must send Canary on a mission to help prove Wayne's innocence or guilt. Gotham Knights 27, a fugitive from justice, Batman brutally punishes the criminal element of Gotham City, and is surprised when he's paid an un- unwanted visit by the Man of Steel, Superman. Batman 601, Nicodemus is trying to recreate hell on Earth in an effort to destroy the planet completely. But back at Wayne Manor, Alfred makes an important, startling discovery. Detective Comics 768, Batman's back on the street and just in time. A lethal shipment of heroin is sweeping through the city as the Lucky Hand Triad is being stalked by a shadowy, feathery figure from his past. Detective Comics 769, Ikan Zoo, a freakish nightmare of a man, has returned to wreak havoc on the Lucky Hand Triad. Only Batman stands in the way of a gangland bloodbath. Batgirl 27, Batgirl searches for evidence of the murder of Vesper Fairchild, but to get to those deep, dark secrets, she's going to have to do some digging and exhuming. Nightwing 68, an old enemy reappears in Bloodhaven as Nightwing and Alfred pour through the Batcave in hopes of finding evidence to clear Bruce Wayne's name. Got the nice 28, back at Wayne Manor, Robin makes an important discovery that has him questioning Bruce's guilt. Detective Comics 770, another clue to Vesper Fairchild's murder is revealed as Batman comes into combat with an agent of Checkmate. Both seek to bring down the triad, but committing to a partnership will be tough for the two men who operate in such secrecy. Nightwing 69, nice. In order to prove that Bruce Wayne was framed for murder, Nightwing, Robin, and Alfred must prove that someone was able to break into the Batcave. But with miles of unexplored caves and Batman's airtight security system, can even Nightwing find a security gap? Birds of Prey 43, what is the mysterious connection between the final news story of Vesper Fairchild's career and the break-ins at Wayne Manor? Oracle hopes to find the connection while Bot Canary makes a final decision regarding spoiler and Deathstroke returns. Batman 603, Bruce Wayne fuses part 11, guest starring artist Sean Phillips. The Dark Knight is summoned to the bedside of a dying ex-cop whose wish is to have Batman solve the one case the cop could never close, the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Guest appears by the Catwoman. Batman 604, Batman returns to the place where it all started, Crime Alley, to think over the events of the recent months, including Vesper's murder and his own arrest and escape. A run-in with Catwoman leads to the roof-hopping across Gotham City and fights with thugs between moments of deep thought. Detective Comics 771, it's one thing to try to solve a murder. Being clear of crime is a different matter. While Batman struggles to build a new life, the shadow of the GCPD looms large. Batgirl 29, for the last few months in various Batman-related books, members of the Bat Squad have uncovered tiny clues regarding the murder of Vesper Fairchild. Tonight, they piece them together by recreating the crime, with Nightwing playing the role of the killer and Batgirl the victim. Gotham Knights number 30, why is Azrael using those closest to Batman as punching backs? Join us for the first part of a story where the agent of the Bat plans to take over Batman's cow. Permanently! Azrael, agent of the Bat 91. Bruce Wayne murders in part 15, continues from Batman Gotham Knights number 30, as Azrael's 
deterioration takes a savage turn as Batman, Robin, and Nightwing struggle to keep up with John Paul's dementia, which is increasing due to, to match his super strength. This continues to the Azrael Agent Batman 92. With his heightened strength and violent urges, John Paul Valley seeks a new purpose, one that he finds in a hallucinatory vision of St. Dumas himself. What strange task will Azrael undertake now? And will the Dark Knight be able to stop him before it's too late? Detective Conway 772. Sasha's been in jail for months while Bruce Wayne has long since escaped. When a stranger arrives with a proposition, implicate Bruce and walk or rot in prison until the day she dies. Will Sasha finally give in? Got the Knights to one. And Bruce Wayne Fugitive Part 17. Batman tracks down who was behind Bruce Wayne's smear campaign and discovers how much absolute power this enemy actually wields. Batman 605. The astonishing extra-sized conclusion to the 18-part Bruce Wayne Fugitive saga. The entire Bat family assembles for the revelation of Vesper Fairchild's murderer, but identifying the murderer and capturing him are entirely different matters. And Detective Comics number 773 through 775, The Hunt. The GCPD makes a major announcement. Sasha Bordeaux sits in a maximum security penitentiary. Will she survive the hellhole populated by some of America's most dangerous women? Unwilling to accept the news that Sasha is dead, Batman conducts his own investigation, but when the clues lead him to the ultra-secret government conspiracy known as Checkmate, will Batman escape alive? Batman turns up the heat on Checkmate in an effort to squeeze him for information on the fate of Sasha Bordeaux. But when an unexpected agent shows up in Gotham City, will Bruce's life ever be the same? <laughs> Batman 606 through 607, just when Batman thought it was safe to swing through the streets of Gotham City again, Deadshot returns with an assignment to take out a key figure in the political cover-up that could rock the DCU. And for Deadshot, this isn't just a job. It's another chance to take Batman down. Deadshot is back in the city, and he's hot on the trail of his most dangerous quarry ever. It's a target so foul and so menacing, we can't spoil it for you. Can Batman stop the DC Universe's most fearsome assassin from turning Gotham to a war zone? Batgirl 33. Batman enlists Batgirl to help him apprehend a dangerous new metahuman. But the metahuman is merely the first step of a wider investigation to fight a mysterious figure named Alpha. Unfortunately for Cassandra, the only person with info on Alpha is the one man she never wanted to face again. Her father, the deadly assassin David Kane, and Gotham Knights 32. Writer Devin Grayson's final issue follows Bruce Wayne through a typical day just to see how many lives Batman and Bruce have an impact upon. Wow. Six and a half minutes. Seriously. You just sped through that old guy. Six and a half minutes, four double spaced pages, and over 1,100 words. Oh, man. Okay. I will thank you so much for that. No, thank you. So when we come back, we'll be going through all those. Poor Donovan. He's like, you know, you know, we don't really have to go through these. I'm like, actually, I have some things to ask you. <laughs> so I just like kept heaping on what we had to do. And when we get back, also keep in mind, Donovan, a favorite issue of this story. Absolutely. Like before, which I've already picked mine. Oh, but, I already know mine. Okay. We are going to take a break now for realsies. And when we come back, we're actually going to be talking Bruce Jerk Fugitive. And maybe he reclaims his actual name. So uh, first, though, it is Zias's Radio Hour featuring Shame by Foo Fighters. Something real just about a year. Yeah, I 
Okay, everyone, this might be a marathon. And also, if you're watching, just forgive. Hopefully, you don't have epilepsy or, I don't know, get 
nauseous at, at flipping because in the beginning, I think I'll be flipping a lot to try to get in the order that Don has so graciously provided us with. But uh, at least I know <laughs> here we are with our first one, which is Birds of Prey, number 41, Felony Matters. And yes, another brilliant and beautiful cover. Hashtag Carolyn knows because of the floating head of Babs. And I assume that in this top right, that's Bruce and Vesper. Maybe Would you say so. Possibly. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. Depending on, I mean, now covers sort of trick us sometimes with not having anything to do with what's inside. But I feel like if this is doing what it's supposed to be doing, then that's what it should be. And of course, at the top, it says 113001. I know a secret now. I know it. So that's obviously from her, from Vesper's journals which we find out later are doctored okay so (laughs) i do love the fact that with this she's asking dinah of course that she's and there's a bunch of ted court stuff which you might not have had don but it's just continuing over this hostile takeover for poor ted now he's getting attacked by this robot with a face on it like that but it's interesting how <laughs> leave it to babs i said that she would splurge on a trip to get the target out of the way that don is going to pretend to be rather than you know using chloroform or something or tying them up <laughs> and getting them out of the way like yeah she would absolutely splurge on this trip i think she was given like yeah a hundred thousand dollars in cash all expenses paid first class flight for two weeks in the south pacific at the polynesian palms resort which of course remember that she's tapped into blockbusters bank account so she can afford it but uh, <laughs> I, I just really like that I forgot about that there is a clarissa joke that i don't know if i'll be able to find it but she does at one point say clarissa uh-huh. doesn't have time to explain it <laughs> oh, oh here it is, there it is. yes what are you doing in here alone? But Clarissa doesn't have time to explain it all, which I thought was was pretty funny. One thing I wondered about this particular issue and how Dinah is used is that Babs, for some reason, has to dictate to Dinah everything that she should be doing. Like, oh, it'd be best if you take off your heels. Oh, you should. I don't know go out this direction, all that stuff. And and I felt like Dinah is capable enough to manage her own way out of that bank. It's almost as if she doesn't have common sense. Did you get any, did this feel weird at all to you that Babs was basically directing her the whole way? Get Not in the way. reading, but like, that's a good observation because Dinah should honestly be like a more experienced crime fighter than, than Bart. Well, I mean, I, I guess it depends if you like you know, quality of crime fighting rather than like longevity. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, and I know that it's, it's inconsistent. Like this is supposed to be, this is meant to be the same Dinah Lance as like Green Arrow, the longbow hunters. So she's supposed to be like a grown woman. And yeah. oftentimes in Birds of Prey, she's kind of written to be this sort of like this, like hired off the street character. Yeah. So I would agree. Yeah. Lose the heels. Now that's useful. All that kind of stuff. Let's see. With the look at, that, look at that shot. Look at the top left panel of Babs. Oh, up here? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a creepy. This is bad. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. She recognized uh, right away that it was not Ted. So, of course, it, it takes Barbara. Well, I feel like I wonder who else could have figured out that it was it was not Ted talking. But it's interesting how the way she did it is calling him Theodore. 
And the robot doesn't pick up on that because his actual name is Edward, which I don't know that I knew that about Ted Court, that his real name is Edward. I didn't know that either. (laughs) So here we go. There you go. But uh, yeah, because she knows about his diet. So saying about the pizza and everything, this is like the classic, you know, can you tell that someone's pretending to be somebody else, which I've been watching the Vampire Diaries and it's like a consistent thing because there are all these doppelgangers running around pizza. I can't remember. Does she say anything? I can't remember where that was. He's got a heart condition. Oh, yeah. And he let me call him Theodore. His name is Edward. So she has this one-sided phone conversation. You just have these speech bubbles. Was this in your trade or is this new to you? What I'm showing um, you? The, like the robot spire stuff wasn't in there, but like okay. this, this page this page was. Okay. So it's interesting, like who is she or whom is she talking with? You just have these question marks and everything. And then when you find out, oh, it's Power Girl, then it makes the previous conversation or lack thereof completely make sense because, of course, back, uh, B- Barbara and Power Girl are mostly on the outs with each other, but Power Girl is going to help out a friend. So that's really important. Okay. So just to talk about all that stuff, I, I didn't want to ignore it, but this was the big thing here. Yeah. That we get crucial info about Vesper and her files that she wasn't even close to figuring out Bruce's secret. The files were changed two days before her death. And it, it thus confirms that it's a frame job. And Dick is with her, of course. So the two people that had doubt. Nope, sorry. The, the one person that had doubts and then the other person who was certainly the eternal optimist, the detective that's always optimistic or whatever that <laughs> said, are, are conversing about it. So. This is really important information, and it occurs in the Birds of Prey book. So do you think it's fitting that it happens in this book that Barbara is the one that finds it? Or do you think maybe it's misplaced? It should have been somewhere else? Or does it really not matter that all these are parts that make up a larger story? So wherever information happens, at least it's happening in the story. Well, I think I would have a feeling to to lean towards the latter. But Barbara was, I think, the one that voiced the largest doubt on bruce's innocence i mean tim did as well mm-hmm. but like i feel that she was like much more on a fact-based like these things aren't, aren't adding up so for her to find out wait a minute like vesper was investigating bruce Wayne, but she had no idea he was batman which clenches it for her that for that to be really in birds of prey early on is good i think mm-hmm. yeah i agree i, I think Coming from the person, yeah, who did have the doubts to be the one to find it and have that cleared up, I think that that would always be the person who's most difficult to convince. And then she's the, you know, information broker. So it makes sense also that she's the one that finds the necessary information and is able to sift through everything to find out the truth. So I liked it. Absolutely. And I'm glad. I, I feel like it gives credence also to the Birds of Prey book in general. Like, oh, look at this important information here. Do you think that Dinah, trying to see if there's a particular page that I was talking about here, but do you think Dinah is at all willfully naive, almost in the way that, oh, yeah, it's kind of here, right? That she's just like leaving and everything, and she doesn't really ask more questions than is necessary. Is she similar to Jim in that way that maybe she does know that... (laughs) And I know that this is tricky because continuity is a bit messed up here, but do you think she may actually know what's going on, but she doesn't really press on it? And so she just is doing whatever Barbara is saying and not really looking to know anymore. 
the way it's played, it's like, you know, okay, you know, this will be fun. Babs always has me do wacky stuff, <laughs> but I don't care. Yeah. And, to, and I feel that, like, if she were <laughs> suspicious, she would have the JLA investigate. Like, look, Oracle has me doing stuff, and, you know, we work together, but she's not telling me things, and this involves a big murder case in Gotham City. We should probably look into that. And, and at this point, I'm just wondering, when did she re-find out that Bruce was Batman? Was that post-Infinite Crisis or something? Because, like, I find it bothersome that, like, she's like, Bruce Wayne, the billionaire. It's like, you guys have known each other since, like, the, the 70s. So, yeah. it's, it's a personal thing. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of this particular issue, Barbara's even saying, like, you've been great. You know, you've been just going along and not asking questions. I'm like, yeah, does, does that seem realistic? Or would Dinah be more intrigued on, you know, what is she doing and why is she doing it? Because she seems to ask so many questions. I really need this last favor. Okay. When do I leave? I mean, I think now there's a lot of trust and now they're like legitimately friends that I think that works to the advantage because in the beginning when it was just a voice conversation, I think she had every right to question, but perhaps Mm -hmm. that's, that's why this is the way it is, is because there is that intimacy now within this relationship. That lesbianic industry. Okay. (laughs) Well, I, I think that like, um, yeah, that I think that she trusts in her not to just like you know, she, like like she knows that Oracle takes her life you know into special into special consideration. She's not going to send Dinah into like you know, a death trap or anything like that. Absolutely. Okay. Any other thoughts on that particular issue before we go on to Gotham Knights? Well, the, it was Rick Leonardi uh, who also did Ooh. the that story we talked about earlier on art. There he is. I knew uh, Superman was on the cover. I love that cover. It's the most like BBS looking like, you know, ah, Batman. Like, <laughs> and yeah, Clark don't is him. like, don't do it. Okay. So this is, sorry, Gotham Knights number 27, murderer, question mark, positive ID. So there is one, is it here? That he Alfred discovers. Here. Yes. Yeah. Oh, which yeah. doesn't honestly makes sense when i was reading it in this order it doesn't make sense what this actually is until later so do you want to explain what he's reading he finds bruce wayne's uh personal journal mm-hmm. with uh, with like you know crayon written on it like you know <laughs> uh, yes that's how he edits <laughs> alfred pass the crayola I said red orange, not orange red. Um. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh man! Okay. So yeah, the, the words. Uh, it's like you know these are typed out. Then like the words irrelevant and, and yeah. destroy are are colored on there. Presumably destroy both that and the the box of crayons. Yeah. But um, uh, this will play further into uh Batman so one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe I read that first because he was looking at it and and was saying, like, oh, this doesn't make sense. And so I was thinking, what are you reading and why doesn't it make sense? I liked the. Where is this moment where he's quoting? Oh, here we go. Okay. so I looked it up and it's from King Lear. 
that that Alfred is quoting here. What does he say? That good Kent, he said it, would be thus poor banished man. Thou sayest the king grows mad. I'll tell thee, friend, I am almost mad myself. I had a son now outlawed from my blood. He sought my life. But lately, very late, I loved him, friend. No father, his son, dear, true to tell thee. The grief hath crazed my wits. What a night's this, I do beseech your grace. So Kent is a nobleman of the same rank as uh, Gloucester, who's loyal to King Lear. And Kent spends most of the play disguised as a peasant calling himself Caius so that he can continue to serve Lear even after Lear banishes him. And he's extremely loyal, but he gets himself into trouble throughout the play by being extremely blunt and outspoken. I had to look all that up since that's one of the Shakespeare's I haven't read. But do you feel like this describes Alfred to a T? Absolutely, because like more so than like, oh man, Alfred was James Bond, you guys. Like, which I think it's just driven, driven to the ground. Like, he comes from a he before he lived with the Waynes, he came from a performance background. He was like the, with the mm-hmm. Royal Shakespeare Academy. The kind of double meaning with this line, these lines from King Lear, uh, which my brother would probably clip uh, if you were reading this. I thought this this is a brilliantly shrewd bit of character writing from Devin Grayson. Yeah, I agree. I really liked it, and and. Absolutely. Bringing in that background and then really having a good double meaning and and picking up a character that because I feel like most people tend towards, you know, Hamlet or Othello, maybe, but King Lear and and then someone close to King Lear and someone that's described as extremely loyal. I, I think that that works really well. Okay, so. I guess we can do this potentially. It could be any scene, but do you feel like no matter what, with any sort of circumstance that might be uh, happening or uh, difficult times or life-changing times, will there always be, does there always need to be a Batman-Superman conversation? I mean, I think that like it, it's, it's useful if one or the other are in such a bad way that it would attract like the other's attention. And here, Superman is saying, you know, Bruce Wayne's uh, wanted for murder. I'm not even going to ask you whether you did this. Like, mm-hmm. I, w- I would never disrespect you that way. All I want to know is, do you need my help clearing his name? And Batman's on his BS, like, uh, Batman is my real name. Mm-hmm. And so Superman's kind of like, all right, you're in a mood now. So I'm going to kind of put up with this, this, you know, unending disrespect. Uh, he's just asking, like, why aren't you clearing your name? But, like, yeah. he's like, you know, you're clearly going through a lot. But I trust you to solve, uh, to figure it out. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here for you and here if you need any. I mean, Clark seems particularly like he's there, but he he like immediately like sizes Bruce Bruce's temperament up, mm-hmm. and so he's kind. Of, Clark comes off as like not guarded, but like he's serious. Like he's not like you know, hey Batman, I'm Superman, we're here to help you. He's like you know, very very blunt and upfront with him, in a way which um, I think speaks to the nature of their relationship because they can be that way with each other. Mm-hmm. That looks like Dark Knight Returns right there. Them in yeah, silhouette. Up at the top. Yeah. You just need to talk I, I, to him. He just, they're like, he's talking, Superman's talking to him and Batman just like keeps going without saying anything and Superman has to follow him. Yeah. Like, to, to the edge of the earth. Like Batman would be surfing, he'd be still following him. So like, I, I like it. It's just, it's just it, this, the purpose of this issue, it feels like it's just to see like, you know, Superman's reaction because he, he was there for No Man's Land and stuff like that. So I don't know how oftentimes Batman shows up at Superman's house, but I dig it for what it is. And of course, also, I mean, this, this Devin Grayson run, uh, uh, this Devin Grayson, Robin, Roger Robinson run, which ends in this, in this fugitive storyline is one of the best Batman runs ever. 
and I just feel that like it was it was worth uh, going over, even if sort of an in between parts kind of issue. Would it have been odd if Superman hadn't appeared in the story? I mean, it's a very Batman centric story, so I wouldn't say it's odd. I think I think at that point it would just kind of get into like you know how famous is Bruce Wayne? Is this global news? Is this international news? Or is this just domestic news? I, I appreciate that he did, but I, if he didn't show up, I, I would I would not necessarily be questioning it. But it also depends on like how long this has been going on, and that's kind of dubious. Like they're saying this went on for months. I think in Hush he references that this, this was almost almost a year, and if it's that long, I think the Justice League would get involved. Like, uh, Batman's Bruce Wayne, right? Did did, did he did he kill somebody? That's kind of dependent, but this is a very Batman-esque story. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like I don't know if this is an editorial thing or Devin Grace's idea to have Superman show up and check him out. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of used to it now. It seems like whenever there's like this big moment in Batman's life, Superman appears at least once. Say what you will about Tom King, but I actually really liked those issues where there were double dates between Bruce, Selina, Lois, and Clark. Like I thought that w- those were really beautiful to they see were that, fun. that relationship. Yeah. Is it surprising that Superman considers Bruce the real identity? Do you think that's his maybe innocence or naivete? I like that because because it's like you know Clark sees people, he understands people. You know, like uh, he's somebody to interact with people. Like you know, uh, especially on the Justice League. So yeah, he's like, he's like, he's going to call Batman Bruce. Mm-hmm. He's not going to like you know treat him as somebody other than. He he sees somebody. He sees Bruce. He sees Batman as somebody who wants to do the right thing, but something would happen to him, rather than the Dark Knight or the Cape Crusader. And that, to me, speaks to who he is, right? And and what their friendship is like, rather than you know some sort of like distance thing. Like Wonder Woman would call him Batman. Anybody on the JLA would call him Batman, but but Superman would call him Bruce. Mm. Yeah, I, I will say I think I agree with you absolutely. I think it, the incarnation depends for Wonder Woman because you know like Justice League animated i think that wonder woman would call him that's, Bruce, that's, that's true. I'll, I'll go there. There. yeah yeah but but i get what you're saying yeah so this particular page here there's one this middle panel here where he's in his face look at that he's saying where's all this excessive violence coming from and what do you mean by saying you have no name to clear but especially the excessive violence so he he comments on this and i wondered Besides this issue, is that really shown? I mean, as I was reading, I thought how how I wasn't seeing my critique of this whole story. One of them will be that I didn't really see much of a change in Batman. There wasn't much for me to be concerned about had I been a, a member of his family. In this issue, yes, there seemed to be unnecessary violence, which Superman comments on. But all the other issues, I thought this seems similar. He's going to a line, but he's not crossing it. I mean, what did do you disagree with that? Did you feel like? Oh, he really does seem like a different Batman in this story until, of course, the particular issue where he turns. I think it's a good observation because I feel that there are absolutely moments where he's just starting to be more excessive. Like you mentioned in, in, in Batman 600 that he like tossed those batterings in the guy's arm. It's like, well, that's a lot. Um, <laughs> and there's this issue. I think that like the Batman side gets so immediately sucked into the checkmate stuff that there's not a lot of like, you know, examples of him running roughshod around Gotham City, being crazy. It's really just a bit of Batman 600 and this. Yeah. And they kind of just, they kind of like fast forward. Which is saying something considering how many freaking chapters there are to the storyline. 
Yeah. But that's a good point. They're like, I think that like, that was an idea that they want to get into and they didn't, they kind of got, it kind of got lost in the weeds of the overall mystery. So I think that like, um, I don't think it's just lip service, but I think that it, that like, it was very, very, it was very, very few in the issues that we, that, that are in the story. Yeah. It just would have been interesting to have maybe some of these characters, especially Selena. Once we get to those, maybe show concern, like what's going on. You're really, you're near the line there, sir. And and I only saw it in this issue really, but okay. I think that's all I have for this one. I, I did like the journal, at least I felt like it ties this whole run together with Gotham Knights because this was the, I think it was this. Gotham Knights uh, had a bunch of journal injuries. Yes, in it. yeah, and it was all third person, and the whole mystery was who's writing it, in, and then you find out it's actually Bruce, like a disconnected Bruce, was writing it. So I like how there's that that connection that almost ties everything together. Anything else on this issue? I love how how the Batcave looks. It's all dark, illuminated by the computer lights. That's how it should be. Like it can't be pitch black. There's, you know, why would they have a room? to work out of and you can't see yeah. that that all the lights from the computers and stuff. But I do love the use of black in it. It's cool. Okay. Now I have to find Batman 601. <laughs> Ain't of it all. And I, again, I, I'll maintain because, you know, neither of us want to be here until next month. Yeah. That like, there's only a few pages relevant in that one. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, this must be the one, isn't it? With the journal. Golly. Yeah. Batman's okay. like, you know, did you find my crayons yet? <laughs> What do you think you're doing? Yes. And I did comment just at the beginning that burning alive has to be the worst way to die. But let's see <laughs> here. Yeah. So Alfred is reading these journals and he realizes that something's off, basically. So you said that these are the most relevant pages. <laughs> do you have anything to say about them in particular? Yeah. The, the journals are like, you know, um, they're, they're from Bruce Wayne's perspective. Like, if there's one thing I sure want to do is kill this prepared child. And Ralph is like, hang on, there's something weird about the writing of this. Yeah. Not that explicitly. I'm just joking. But like, um, he says that like the punctuation is inconsistent. Mm-hmm. There's a double, there's a double hyphen, a double dash instead of a semicolon, which doesn't, which doesn't speak of Bruce's writing, which is awesome because Alfred would know how he writes. And that's a terrific detail that the untrained eye would not get. But that's interesting that it's all focused on punctuation rather than what is being said. Do you find like knowing someone's punctuation? I mean, that's that's nuance right there. Do you think that's maybe too much detail? No. <laughs> it's a Batman comic. Okay. <laughs> it's, what, it's what they do. I mean, Alfred can mimic his voice perfectly. So like, I don't, it's, it's part of the course. Okay. In this particular story, there is, and I guess... I can't remember if this is two parts or not, but there's this vigilante named Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. And did you read the rest of this? I just wondered if if he was it was well done to use this vigilante because it complements Batman. And then yeah, I feel like bloody had to, but like um, it was odd seeing Batman show up with the bat signal to Commissioner Atkins and like you know what's the problem, Commissioner? I'll fight this guy, and I'm like, boy, this feels like a distraction. Yeah. And and then just the, I mean, at the beginning, you know, everything that's being written seems like it's being written about Bruce Wayne, but it's it's actually being written about this guy right here, Nicodemus. And then, yeah, you find out who it is. And of course he gets away at the end, which I don't know if he ever appears again. Do you know anything about Nicodemus and whether he appears again? I I think he does. Okay. So it's not like our dearly departed um, Orpheus. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) 
But he's not dead yet. So yeah, he'll, he'll you know, wait till the war games. No, just that he's gone. Yeah. And then just a question. Do you think Gotham, I, I, I've only been asking questions, so that was silly, but do you feel like Gotham would in fact tear itself apart if two Gotham councilmen ended up dead just because of the Bruce Wayne situation? I feel like Two-Face has killed off many, many councilmen before. So like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is the kind of tricky thing about the storyline is that like, it still has to operate as like the ongoing issues and not like... Yeah completely dedicate itself to the mystery and i think i still love this story daniel neal is gone now he left after no man's land where i feel that like storylines before this were more focused you think of like cataclysm contagion no man's land there weren't really like you know oh man we gotta deal with this ongoing story but first we gotta fight this one-off villain like they weren't of two minds and i Mm -hmm. feel that like that's that happens a lot in this one we're like you know there's always like hijinks with bloodhaven and stuff and at some point, it's like uh, these issues have to dedicate themselves towards the mystery and not just because this whole thing, this um, between the tie ins, Bruce Wayne murder fugitive was a year, it wasn't longer than that, it was a single year. And I think that, like, you know, bat fans are used to reading those kinds of long stories, yeah, I guess so. Okay, anything else on 601? Nah, just those offered pages, okay. And then now we're going into the purity storyline that's really complicated and that and i'm not even sure how much i can contribute to that because it kind of that the purpose of that stuff just leads into the amherst stuff which is like yeah which which crescendos later on and then do you know anything about this uh shady character with the wings his name is ikanzu oh yeah ikanzu yeah do i know it god no okay this is this is a tricky this era of batman comics there's a lot of like the brubaker rookie era is good but it doesn't have the most memorable issues outside of the storyline. So I, yeah, I'm not familiar. Okay. I did think that, boy, did Leslie Tompkins age in these issues. <laughs> she looks so, she looks Aunt May-ish. Mm-hmm. I was but, just, I mean, have you, have, you, have you ever read her first appearance? I don't think I have. Yeah, it's a notable story. Like, you know, there's no hope in Clayton Crime Alley. But like, uh, yeah, her first appearance, she was, she did look like an Aunt May character. Let's see what to talk about here. Oh, the the conversation between Crispus and Montoya. Montoya, yeah, about Bruce's escape. I think that one was a was important. Where is it? That's um, probably two because like Purity One is is the most uh, apart from the whole thing. I think it's here, isn't it? The escape the plane, <laughs> and then they say the butler did it. Yeah, so they do have this conversation in the office about how he got out. And where he is and that Alfred probably did it, which leads into, I mean, they harass or especially Crispus harasses Alfred several times throughout the rest of this particular story. Mm -hmm. But this, yeah, I would say, yeah. So purity, which is about this whole drug business and heroin that's been cut with something else and is killing some people. And it is all tied. It's it's almost convoluted. But it's actually all tied together because Amherst, that agent is involved and the heroin was a payoff to what we find out was Kane, really. And then it got in. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, But it all (laughs) makes sense because we do know that the CAA does that kind of stuff with, you know, bargaining, using drugs and things like that. Or at least we were told in the movies uh, with different nations. So it makes sense. It's like not too far fetched, but it is. Yeah. Pretty crazy, especially with the, the Egan zoo. And he mentioned whisper Adair, I guess whisper Adair is the person who changed. Whisper Adair is an agent of Rachel Ghoul and a creation of of, uh, Ed Brubaker and or Greg Rooker. Whoever's writing this. 
Gotcha. Okay. So part two, I thought it interesting that he threatened to beat up this woman. I'll beat the truth out of you. And uh, she said, would you enjoy that, Batman? And, oh, look at the beatings again. I know. (laughs) Do you think he would make good on his threat to beat Liu Xiaoling? Are you kidding? No, he's not going to be. He's not. You don't think so? He beat up. uh, What's her face? Uh, The checkmate. uh, Was it Bishop? Bishop later on. So he will beat a woman. But he's not gonna like you know like, like like oh hello I'm Batman tell me the truth or I'll beat you up. You don't think woman. so? But he no. does that. He does that to men. You well, yeah, because those like, like those are, those, I think those are criminals that are in the middle oh. of violence. Uh-huh. He he will threaten them with death by holding them over over long, long crevasses and stuff. <laughs> yes, indeed. He is not going to like walk into a room saying I'm Batman. I need to do something. Tell me or I'll beat you up. That that's that's like. Every other character but Batman. And if I ever see that in a uh-huh. story, it's not a good Batman story. Okay. Whatever you say. I did like this scene between Montoya, Alfred, and Crispus. Just the, <laughs> the interactions between the three of them. My question here is, and it even ties into part three where Crispus asks Montoya, whether Alfred would really vouch for Bruce if he had done those things to Vesper. But do you feel like Alfred has misguided loyalty? Why would you think so? (laughs) That he believes in him no matter what. So he's almost like Nightwing, like without a shadow of a doubt, he didn't do it. But would that almost be to his detriment if, if Bruce ever did do something bad? I think Alfred would know. I don't think Alfred is blind to evidence. Like, he, like he's investigating like the journal and stuff. He he said before in Bruce and Murderer that he believes in Bruce as a person. So, and spoilers, Bruce didn't do it. So if Bruce Wayne did go nuts, Alfred just wouldn't blindly. I think, and it's part of it's because of the purpose of the story. But I think he knows when Bruce has been bad. And he knows when Bruce has been good. He's a Santa Claus Santa? butler. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I had no idea Alfred was Santa Claus. Okay. I don't think I have anything else. Uh, These interactions were, again, just, yeah, the Christmas and Alfred interactions, which we we see several times. Haven't seen your boss since he lambed it, is what he says. Yeah. Any other thoughts on part two of Purity, which is Detective Comics 770, or even part three? Yeah, really? No, I mean, honestly, like, like I, it is, a, it's playing the long game with the in, in mystery. Yeah. It very much is. And honestly, I think like the, uh, the, the Saeed stuff is intriguing, mm-hmm. but this is, I mean, I, I, like, I really feel that like the bulk of the mystery is connected to the bad family, yeah. like the Batgirl issues and the Nightwing issues where Batman's, you know, like, like doing his thing is like, Oh, check me eventually. I mean, it's, it's, it's good, right? That, that's, that's a cool story or cool shot. It's a good story. But in terms of like, you know, what does it do with everything else? It feels very tangential until it doesn't. Yeah. You don't really know who, why we should care about the heroine or I I mean, besides the obvious reasons or Saeed here, but he pops up. So it all works together at least. But yeah, in the moment I thought, what's, what's going on? And Is again, this the issue where he gets, he gets shot? Oh, uh, I think it's too soon, isn't it? That might be the next one. Yeah. Where he pops up. Yeah. He goes to look. For him, yeah. But again, you know, this the violence that is seen just seems like regular Batman violence. So that's why I was I was wondering how how changed is Bruce? Like if this didn't have the fugitive 
tagline on it, I, I would have thought it was just a regular, regular old Batman story. Okay. Oh, yeah, this. I forgot about this where he kills that guy right. right there. I wasn't sure what was going on here either. I was so angry when I was reading this stuff. I was like, what the hell does this have to do with the story? Because <laughs> I forgot. Like, what? Yeah, very much. Oh, okay. I was just thinking about potentially, well, maybe, maybe I'll come back to this. Oh, yeah, there was a comment that I thought, oh, it's right there. Uh, you know, truth, justice, and the American way speech not going to work on you, not with this president. <laughs> <Which I thought. laughs> oh, golly, fast forward, you know, however many years, and, and that works uh, just fine as well. Um, I felt mm-hmm. also like maybe they were using a villain as a foil, uh, someone who lost all humanity. He came back with Ikan Zhu that maybe he was similar to Batman or w- where Batman could go if, if he didn't get back his identity. So I think they also play with that as well. And mm. I guess that's it. I did have questions about Checkmate, but those are kind of answered. So Checkmate shows up. I was interested that they weren't, or surprised, I guess, that they weren't interested in Batman, but we will find out the truth. Okay. So we're going to move on. There's your girl. There's my girl. So this is Gotham 28. And just know that. Batgirl 28. We, sorry, that was weird. I was looking at Gotham Knights. Thank you. <laughs> Batgirl 27. We yeah. were both. We were both off. And we are skipping, or I guess I am, because remember Donovan put his foot down and said he's done with Batgirl. So I'm <laughs> skipping Batgirl 26. And uh, Donovan told me helpfully that that's the Shiva fight aftermath. That has nothing to do with Fugitive. So. I will come back to that at some point on the show, which is probably next episode. So here we go. A cover that tells us basically everything that's going to happen, except it would have been interesting if in the light, we would have seen Vesper's name illuminated. Mm. But, oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, I forgot about this. Oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh. There is some major Stephanie Brown abuse. Is it right here that this happens? Yes. And then, oh, she gets... Knocked out several times. Is it right here? Yes. How, how do you explain that? She keeps getting knocked out. Look at this. How do I explain it? What am I supposed to explain? <laughs> explain this. It's Stephanie this Brown. Is like, the like, only reason why you're on this show is to explain character <laughs> motivations for people who are being jerks. So, can you explain why Cassandra Kane, your darling, is doing this to Stephanie Brown? She was getting on her nerves. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <These> guys- <laughs> oh my gosh! Is that how you treat friends? I'm surprised you haven't walloped me. You've been trained. No, she, I, 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 they're going up against like secret spy ninja characters, and stuff so like these guys look like bad news. And she's like, uh huh. And so Cash just knocks her out briefly because she knows that like Stephanie will either get herself killed or hold cast back <gasps> to take them on herself. It was for her own good, said the abuser. Said the, <laughs> yeah, I know, said the abuser. Well, this is a mostly silent issue, I would say. But, yeah, yeah, be, I mean, like, it's still Kelly Puckett. I mean, if it would be Dane Scott, it would be perfect course. Yeah. Of Look, we have Bat Jerk smiling, which is kind of exciting. Even I've never beat Shiva before. Good job, daughter. I mean, I, Cassandra. Oh, isn't that Oh, what do you think? I, I love it. And like, he looks all bloated and unshaven. She's like, you look different. Yeah. Well, he's he's put on a few pounds. He'll be okay. And, and because now that she knows who he is, yeah. they both see like a screen of like 
Bruce Wayne feels still at large. He's like, let me help. And yeah. uh, he says, you know, I, I let you fight Shiva knowing she would kill you because of something you do. So thank you. Don't thank me. Return the favor. And yeah. I thought that stuff. was pretty, uh, yeah, powerful there, you know. You, you got to let me handle my own business, too. So, okay. And then we get, oh, oh, here we are. Look at this. Mama Babs, as I say, Mama Babs and her two kids, basically. That is <laughs> definitive. That, that, that is definitive. <laughs> she broke my jaw. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. If your jaw were broken, you wouldn't be able to look at She's so upset. Well, not really. She's like, just aggravated. Like, I don't have time for this. Now go away. I'm busy fracture look at that she's admitting she's admitting and then oh no well hit her harder next time now go away i really am busy so here's a big question now i almost make myself sick asking it but is babs a jerk here i mean you must really feel bad for stephanie you know (laughs) to to like care (laughs) i mean like hit her harder next time why would you say that Oh, it's wonderful. It's all really, really good. I, 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 I don't even know if I can think about it even now. Like, is Babs a jerk? Babs is always a jerk. So, like, How dare you, sir? Oh, oh yeah. The show that I'm on. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a great bit of humor in a book that doesn't often get a lot of humor. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I thought it was. <laughs> I mean, this is probably my favorite panel here. The bottom left just with yes. her like, oh, my gosh, you too. I, I, I like how sheepish Cassandra looks. Yeah, especially when she's like a little bit of a fracture. So I did when they interact about Batman, I thought that was appropriate. Mm-hmm. But this was interesting, even though you put this I called your knowledge, your wisdom into question at one point. And I asked, do you think that this really belongs here? Just because I feel like continuity wise, this might make sense before BOP, if only because there's still, there's still some doubt there. They're still searching for clues. And then BOP, like she definitely has the clues and and, um, knows that Vesper, that journal was falsified or it's a frame job, I guess I could say too. Yeah, this works, but like, but like, it should come before um, Birds of Prey. Otherwise, it's, it's it's still a great scene. Oh yeah, absolutely, I agree. Yeah, no doubt about that. And then this does this make sense that this is the first time <laughs> she looks so angry. This is the first time that Cass is hearing of Babs's doubts. I mean, shouldn't she have already known six hundred? Maybe. Yeah, that's a good point too because I don't think. Barring 600 that she was in the same room and, and Barbara led that out in front of her. I mean, Cass, you know, kind of sees back. I mean, and you know, this plays into it later on, but like, you know, Cass really looks up to Batman. So the idea that Barbara, who's known him longer, could doubt him is kind of, that, that's a, a new kind of blasphemy to her. She's like, no, you think, look at me, uh, look at me. And Barbara's like, like leaning away, <laughs> avoiding her gaze. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, but like, yeah, I, I think that like, um, I don't know if she's like falling in out of consciousness while they were yelling at each other in the Batcave and, and that Mr. Century. Yeah. But yeah, she should kind of recall that. And then, oh my gosh, hands on her throat. This is crazy. Cassandra, her chin. she is a violent, violent human being. And, and okay. Barbara like grabs her arm, <laughs> grabs her hand and takes it off. <laughs> it's too soon after Batgirl 25 oh. where she. They're both embarrassed. Oh, it's so cute. Okay. Anyways, I know that up there. Okay. 
Now we get to this here. Is she going to get knocked again? Yes, she does. Oh, more abuse at the hands of Cassandra. Look at that. Look. Well, well Stephanie says, if you want me to go away, you have to knock me out again. Yeah. Or, Are you taking yeah, that as tantamount to permission? Yes, consent. Oh, my heavens. Okay, so we're moving on. This is a disturbing scene here. This is a disturbing scene. I understand why Cass feels like she has to do this. And in the end, it actually benefits the investigation because she's able to to find that the the. I can't remember what the synopsis said, something beatings, but the nature of them. Yes. Do you feel like. This almost runs counter, though, to Cass because of how much respect she pays to human life and people and that she would exhume someone. Do you have trouble with this, reconciling this? No, because I think that's that's true of, of Cassandra, but also <clears throat> she's trying to help Batman. Okay. And, like, you know, she didn't know Vesper Fairchild, so, like, sorry. It's a very dark scene. I like the fact that, like, when... Spoilers knocked out. When she wakes up, it's already done. We don't witness this. And with Cassandra's back turned, you kind of see how it kind of unnerved her doing that. Mm-hmm. So I think the storytelling is well done. Yeah. No, no, it, it's dark. But it, it also, I mean, it's 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 macabre, mm-hmm. but it's also a really clever way to understand how it was a frame job. Yeah. Because as, as we'll get into later on, like Nightwing and Robin are like, oh man, this is great. Because honestly, like, why would somebody who kills somebody in a fit of rage, use precise nerve strikes. Like, like, like they understand this makes no sense if it's Bruce Wayne. So like, it's a great way to reveal that, but the way to get there is, is pretty, pretty grim. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think that's it that I have on this issue. Do you have any, anything else? I mean, I, I miss Damian Scott, uh, but Phil, Phil Noto does, does a good work. It was, it was, it was Phil Noto. And, and honestly, this is a great Bat Family uh, issue. Yeah, there's okay. tons of uh, Cass and Steph and Babs hijinks and uh, the characterization, great humor. Hijinks it's very, very or good. Or abuse, you know, they go hand in hand. I mean, how, I think everybody's hit everybody in the Bat Family. That's true. Yeah, remember, remember Batgirl Steph? number three? Yeah, she wallops him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, moving on to Nightwing sixty-eight time and motion. Uh, not as many notes as this I have as opposed to the, the, the next one. The next one's pretty good, but this one, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember a lot, a lot of things happening. Yeah, there were only two notes that I had or I guess two questions. One of them he says, I think to Alfred, but he says that he doesn't want to burden Babs anymore. I can't remember where this happens, though. And I just wondered how, like, where's that coming from? Where or why does he think that he is a burden or how has he burdened Barbara? Can't remember where that yeah, I'll try to see is. it. Sure, he doesn't say Barbara just told me to stop coming up here. Um, are they dating by now? Just be, yeah, they should. I am not. Oh, here we go. I'm not to anywhere near the proficiency of yourself or Master Timothy or Miss Gordon. And then Dick says, No one can touch bads in that department, but though complete, run through complete. Da, 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 da. All this uh, uh, Tad Reister torque stuff is cut out in my trades. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I wish I could find it. Maybe you made it up in your own fanfic. In my own fanfic. Oh, here it is. Oh, I just I said Gordon that. Will Miss Gordon No, I've burdened her enough. With his optimism. So do you think that's what it is? That the fact that they've had the disagreement 
Or is it just like a random thing that the Nightwing book is doing that no one think, else I, is doing? Well, I mean, you know, Chuck Dixon's writing Birds of Prey and Nightwing, so it could That's be. True, it, yeah. could, it could it could honestly be like like legitimate. And this is where Dick is like, okay, we're up against somebody good, somebody as good as Bruce. <clears throat> this is not just a frame. It's like a one of the best frames in the world, which yeah. is bad. But she's been doing, I guess I'm confused as to why, like, why wouldn't you ask her to do more when she's clearly trying to help clear Bruce's name? She's sifted through the tapes of Vesper and all these documents. So, yeah, I I don't know. They should be dating. Uh, They are dating, but there was a rocky point after he, quote, killed, quote, the Joker. So, but he's kind of come back from that after that one. um, I'm sorry, what did they start? Was Was it the strike stuff? When oh, they when start do they dating? start dating? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I would say No Man's Land, but there's, of course, that continuity issue. <laughs> I remember like, like, there's a Nightwing, like, three, four, three or four part where he's kidnapped by Shrike, and, like, yeah. they find, like, a love letter to Babs, and they laugh at him. And like, <laughs> they, oh, Dinah and, yeah, Babs. My other one is, I guess, once we all, oh, is, is this, is the significance that these two are working together on this after... Their disagreement, their how else would you say? Uh, oh, well, I mean, yeah, not really an yeah, argument, but yeah, uh, between you know their belief systems on who Bruce is or and how Batman has changed and everything. So I did like this that these two, even if Babs wasn't involved, that it was Tim and Dick and and they were working together to to decode these files. Yeah, I think Dixon's off robin now i think that his run is ended we're past robin 100 i do not like this artwork tim looks like a rat boy a rat boy is that what you said look at the top panel oh yeah oh he kind of does that's hideous the the, the ears (laughs) and the book teeth yeah just weird proportions okay anything else on nightwing 68 uh oh what's that character's name woman she appeared before i forget her name she's probably in sunstone volume two and i haven't gotten there yet Sometimes on a DC count. Why am I arguing with you? Uh, I don't know. She looks like the person that would assault Dick, though I know that it's um, not <laughs> her. But just like looking at her, like, yeah, that 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 tracks. <laughs> yeah, she's a rapist. <laughs> she looks intense, like something's about to go down. Okay, let me just say, so is this, so 28, and I think 29 too, this mortician, I... I I honestly had no idea what was going on in this story. And my questions got even worse in the second issue. As far as I could tell, this guy was reanimating people and it just got out of control. There's the walking dead. Uh, Tim, the main part is really Tim looking at the surveillance cam footage. Mm-hmm. He finds a lack of wind and a shadow, which is basically there. So that gives them i think that's it right those are the only pages you had me look at anyway yeah and it points out you know like like why would batman be sneaking back into his own house yeah. it's like it's kind of like not so much what the objects are but like the context of like what they mean yeah and that sure is that issue it yeah it 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 was it was bizarre i was reading this and i thought what's what's actually going on here that guy they hired him i don't know why they hired him and then the art changes and it gets even I did not even read this. Because there was a kid. I was like, who's the I don't get this. What's happening? I yeah. I would I would folks, I would skip this because it yeah, it didn't make sense. Okay, so then we get to what a cool cover. Nightwing sixty nine, yeah. Yep. Nightwing nice. sixty nine, ins and outs. So first of all, spelunking. I love it. 
It comes <laughs> from my favorite Latin word, spelunka. But I thought this was so clever here mm-hmm. to use because they're trying to figure out how can we find all the ways into the cave, but how can we do that without other people finding out all the ways into the cave or that something's up because their original plan was, I think, smoke. So then Tim comes up with the idea of irradiated. Yeah, infrared. There we go. Gas. And I thought, oh, that is so clever. And so basically Dick is investigating all these crevices and then he ends up uh, going into one and that's how they find it. So uh, I agree. That was really clever. Yes. Yeah. Any thoughts on this issue here? I think this issue is cool. I mean, I mean, this is a very like detailed. All of this is, is Nightwing getting to the cave and them discussing how the killer could do it. And it's I remember at this point when I was originally reading this mystery, it's like this is so. I mean, why would the this is so complicated? Why would the killer go through all this trouble? How could they go through all this trouble? And but it's, it shows to me how not only clever the the killer is, but like just how smart the Bat Family are. I mean, this is where we see the Bat Family are. are they're all trained detectives. Yeah, and they are trained detectives in the ways which put them above like police and investigative reporters and stuff like that because they really really know what they should try to look out for what what they might be led down to look for what they may be led to discover how you know what how to kind of suss out motive and stuff it does go a long way to show their sort of like detecting acumen mm-hmm. that's all this issue is and i think it works well because of it yeah absolutely and uh with this it, it was ironic that I don't know if your trade had all this the no. side story, but it was interesting and ironic that all the corruption with the Blue Haven P- PD goes down and Dick isn't there. And it was kind of crazy <laughs> that Richter just like kills everybody in there. So that was just a side story. <laughs> yeah. So we find out, I mean, the crucial part basically is that someone was in fact able to break in and they they messed with some of the security systems and everything so we're getting more details throughout some of those and that's where my murderer trade ends what yeah that's so that was the last one so that's how big the murderer trade is so now i will open up my fugitive trade i don't know why they plotted it that way but here we are that is so wrong not even my murderer trade which is which is recent is like that yeah. So people would, I guess, read that and think, oh, look, it's still going. And actually, well, it's moved on. Okay. So now we are in Fugitive. We don't need that. Batman. Okay. And we're starting with Birds of Prey, 43, Blind Spot, another Phil Noto cover, another hashtag Carolyn Knows floating Barbara head. I mean, you can see her. I have to clarify. She, she, she had a hand in the last one. Yeah, and this is more of a bust. So I need to clarify with Carolyn if that counts. And even if you look at, gosh, Vesper, that's pretty um, disorienting. But even if you uh, look over at Dinah, I mean, she's not a whole person. So, and why the. Oh, <laughs> Death Stroke only has one arm. Yeah, Death Stroke. Yes. And I was about to ask, why is Death Stroke in there? And then I remembered that I don't know why, because I think. 42 has been skipped and they don't show other stuff in this. So this is one of the issues I'll have to go back to folks, but it's interesting how Phil Noto does this. Like look at Alfred's, I don't know. What would you call that? Well, he's like, white I guess shirt. his shirt like goes down pat, like outside of it's Yeah. It's really interesting. And Vesper's hair connects down. Anyways, we can, we can move on, but I do like Phil Noto's covers. Okay. 
What do I have to say about this? Okay. Bruce's journals, why do they seem to be the focus now rather more so than Vespers? And why so late in the story? Well, <sighs> late in the story, I can only imagine, well, maybe um, the writers got to them then. Uh, in terms of like why they are important, I feel like they're probably done with Vesper's journals since Oracle discovered that like they were they were like forged, okay. or at least they were they were, they were edited. So when Alfred discovers the journals, he turns them over to, to the Bat family so they can see that they can suss out any peace of mind, especially or state of mind, especially since he discovered there were in this, uh, th- or there were discrepancies in how he writes. So that's why. I mean, I mean, where, where would you prefer them to to have? addressed his journals oh. earlier uh, you didn't think about that did you well i guess if it's so crucial i mean they had to have been discovered earlier right like oh look I, i'm just trying to like what was the sequence that they picked up this large this manifesto and started reading it and thought huh something's off Why? i'm trying to remember when they first got vesper's journals because i'm in bruce Lee murderer like barbara's like you know you know what she was after and he was like yeah she was trying to I forget if it was like discover that Bruce Wayne's Batman or to figure out who Batman was. And Oracle's like, yeah, she figured it out. And Batman's like, that's not true. So like they got Vesper's doctor journals at one point. Yeah. And I forgot when they went after those to begin with. And in Fugitive, they say, wait a minute, these are doctor. I think, well, that was a Birds of Prey mission because Barbara sent Dinah to get that stuff from Vesper and go into the evidence and everything. Right. So I think that's where they got those tapes. But yeah, it just his journals. I, it just kind of confuses me. Like, when did you find these? Well, I, I did. Why do you think? Why did you have incentive to open it up and and look through it? No, I, I get it. I I, I, I get it. A like, I don't know. No, no. Al- Alfred found them when he was dusting, and he <laughs> went through them, and <laughs> that wasn't a joke. And. <laughs> Uh, I know it wasn't, but the way it was said and how bizarre and offhanded it was. Yes, continue. Uh, he, he found them. He read through them. Said this doesn't match up, and he he he'd given to Barbara. The fact that they even discovered that like Vesper had journals is another thing. No, I, I, I'm not questioning when they found it or, or like or like why they thought it was a big deal. I, th- I think that, I think that makes sense. Okay, I, I think. Gosh, I didn't have too much on this to be honest. I did like how I, <laughs> she says. You know, they've got to figure out a way basically to clear his name without also bringing it to light that he is Batman. Mm -hmm. And he mentions, you know, like our secret identities. And she says, can't let anyone find out about them, dot, 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 Tim, Oracle out. And then (laughs) he says, you know, I hate basically she leaves the conversation after saying Tim because he never wanted her to know his identity. And so I just thought that was a fun little trolling that Barbara does. You can imagine hearing the... um the Skype hang up sound effect. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Anything on this for you? I like the artwork. Yes, I agree. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Is it this one here? Turning point. 603. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. I wanted to. Okay. So I will spoil right now and say that this was my favorite issue in the whole story. <gasps> what? Yes. Joshua. So I, also, this looks like the Darwin Cook design for Catwoman. That's where she is now. I mean, I, I'll tell you this: um, the the final two issues of Batman that we cover in the story, the very next issue is Hush Part One. Oh, okay. Oh, wow, wow! They really go into it. Yeah. 
So there is a voiceover. There's some talking heads without the heads. And there's a funny little it's basically it seems like it's between a liberal and a conservative the way that it's Mm -hmm. talking. But at one point it says, leave it to a feminist liberal to suggest that cities have karma. And I jokingly said, OMG, they're calling Carolyn out. (laughs) And apparently she's debating (laughs) Tucker Carlson. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm assuming Catwoman's still in the dark about Bruce since this is before Hush. Yeah, because that's when she finds out again. Okay. Does it seem golly? Does it show how extreme it is the situation that Leslie Tompkins is using Selena as a go-between, or would this be standard? Maybe. Okay, I I really haven't read a lot of Catwoman in my life, but I know that like around this time, and I don't know if Edward Bruce is writing her book for this time. I guess he is. That Leslie Tompkins is a character, or has been a character. Like probably probably in the, the early the previous run, maybe when Deborah Grace was writing her title. I don't. I know. I didn't think about what this means, but like, I like the fact that like Leslie's still thinking about Bruce. Yeah, and she keeps popping up, which is good because after what went down in Murderer with her interactions with him, it would be odd if she didn't. Right. Okay. So the the main part of this is this Detective Sloan, which is why Leslie wants to talk to Bruce. This man happened to be. On the case. Of- and it looks like Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like your honor. <laughs> <laughs> he was on the case of the Wayne murders. And he feels like he has some psychological insight into, into Bruce. But he's, he's certainly one of the ways to break into Batman's current state of mind, I would say. Here's a question. Do you feel like he is a contrivance, maybe too much of a contrivance, giving him history with young Bruce, or just does it work well enough to ignore it? I mean, you were talking before about how people want to make their mark. Writers want to make their mark on stories, and they add things to to change it slightly. So here's potentially something that, that falls into that. What do you, what do you think about detective Sloan and his, his history? History with with Bruce Wayne. I would be contrived because the Wayne murders were always a famous thing in Gotham City, and somebody had to be a cop on the scene. So no, no, I I, I don't think it's like and he, he's on his way out. He's passing away, and like they've never solved the post crisis. So like no, uh, I don't think I think that this is very much for the future storyline and not for ooh, I want to change Batman's history. Like like, and I'm not even like you know me that as a Nightwing dig, but like I feel that like this has a better ethos storytelling ethos than than instances like 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 the the aforementioned melinda zuko thing does Mm -hmm. yeah i i think it works really well and i i like how he's the one who who snaps bruce out of it or batman as it were do you feel like there could be a universe where this conversation actually cements batman as batman since sloan actually praises him for what he does cements batman as batman How, how do you mean so this is really a moment where what he says snaps Batman out of it so that he realizes Bruce Wayne uh, is important. Is there a universe where actually this, yes, that's right. I am Batman. Batman's, you know, that's the only identity that matters. No. Okay. Because it's all about <clears throat> the Wayne family and Bruce Wayne. And the fact that he's, he's talking to Batman, not knowing that he is Bruce Wayne, that juxtaposition just brings Bruce to the conclusion that he, that he concludes with. Mm-hmm. I do like this. So this this trip to memory lane is like you know he yeah. he dates. Says, oh yeah, you know that guy. The Joker was, was threatening the water supply around the world. You know the fla- the other heroes are starting with the Flash. 
later on he started running around with that kid like i i, I do like the cops you know very realistic rec- recollection of all the events absolutely and then of course which he, he asked for help on an unsolved case and it happens to be the waynes <laughs> whoops yeah I actually wondered, remember in Spider-Man, the animated series where, gosh, was it like Wish or One Wish or something like that? And the the little girl who is sick with some unknown disease, she, like Peter Parker, well, Spider-Man reveals his identity to her. Mm-hmm. I wondered, yeah, I wondered if he, and then she gets kidnapped by Doc Ock, I think, or he does, I guess, and she's the one who steps him out of it. But isn't this? Oh, and that crazy taxi driver. Oh, it's all coming back. But <laughs> <laughs> she's like Jamaican, I think. But I wondered for a split moment. I thought like he was going to reveal his identity and say, "I'm Bruce Wayne. Everything turned out okay." I like that he didn't. The guy wasn't asking for that. The discussion makes Bruce really think about himself so much more than like you know. It's time, Gary Sloan, for you to know the truth. I think that would that would have been like a hard turn. Like, I, I see where you, I see where you get that from. I see, I see how you arrive there. But I think, I personally think that it's a more mature route. That this is still a Batman story, and Sloan is a is a device to get him there emotionally. You know, I think Sloan's a, a good character. Sloan, Sloan is a good character who is written believably, and this is a good idea. This is a really good idea to kind of bring Bruce where he needs to get to. Absolutely. And then, of course, at the end, we've got Oracle. This is Bruce. And Bruce is emphasized there. I need you to run some information for me. <laughs> he doesn't even say hi or anything. And then her response, um, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that, please? <laughs> Which I feel like is absolutely appropriate and especially coming from her. Uh, yeah, thoughts on uh, 603? As I said, my favorite. I mean, this is one of the absolute best issues. Totally. And what I what I like about it is like the crux of it is him saying, you know, um, uh, I could never, I never could solve the Wayne Manors. By the way, I know, I know, I know what's going on with Bruce Wayne. And listen, you know, I've been on this job for decades. You see how death affects people, especially the children. What you know, that night changed Bruce Wayne's life. No matter what he ended up doing, no matter what he became, you, you look at those eyes, how he was changed. Whatever he was changed into, it wasn't a killer. You know, I know that, and. And then Batman kind of just feeling on that is like, you know, his name is he he starts to get the idea that his name is worth preserving. And maybe that is more than just a name. And it's just this is the, was this Brubaker or Rucka? I mean, these guys are like the best, some of the best Batman writers that that, that really some of the last great Batman writers that, that really touched the character. I think I, I think it's just really, really well realized and, and really creative. Ed Brubaker did this. Yeah. I think he t- talks about this particular story because he had this thought in his mind for a separate issue and it came back at the end of this trade. He talks about it. So, oh, really? Yeah, it was a story he had and then it was able to work its way in here. So, okay, nice. here's this one where he got shot. Now, this, I, yeah, this is also a, a lot of these. I'm sorry to refer to myself, but like, you know, I was there when this came out and it was a sigh of it was a sigh of because again, this is only a few months after he beat up Nightwing in the Batcave, and like I am Batman, screw off. This is another favorite. This is a favorite of mine, as well as the last issue, which is okay. Batman six oh four. Here he is, yeah, Batman six oh four reasons. And the reason is you. Oh, thank you, Hoobastank. Um, <laughs> there was a question. I'm trying to figure out what I meant to say. I guess he. So he's going through his past. And seeing notable places that he has been. And he's almost, 
Yeah. Okay. So was that when he's, he's sort of trying to figure out, I think, when was it that Bruce just became Bruce Wayne became a mask and Batman really took over. Do you feel like pinpointing this, this particular moment in time, we should never know when it was that the Bruce Wayne identity just became a mask sort of like we should never know Joker's true backstory. Well, this kind of depends on how you see Batman. I mean, do you think that, do you think Bruce Wayne is a mask? Do you think Batman is a mask? Do you think it was when his parents died? Do you think it was when the, the bats rebroke into his house? Do you think it was when he first fought the supervillains? Do you think it was when he first was successful as Batman? Do you think it was when he first took on a partner? Like, I think there can, there can be goalposts that can get switched around. So it depends on how you see it. I see this as he got confused more than anything else. His life became so about Batman that you know he loses relationships. And this is something that, that like kind of like is not a callback, but if you remember Batman Six Hundred, as he's going through the house, he's remembering uh, Silver St. Cloud leaving, leaving him, and mm-hmm. this relationship with Selina not working out, and yeah. Bruce and, and Dick leaving, and, and Jason getting mad at him, and like those. And he says, "Well, these are relationships that 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 Bruce Wayne failed, but like I'm Batman, which is, which means that they weren't they didn't mean all that much." Or he was trying to tell himself, but as we see it by the end of this issue. You know, Batman doesn't come from just being Batman. He comes from Bruce Wayne. That scene right there is is, is great. Yeah, I felt like this is the big moment, I would say. I think we start to see Bruce really coming back. His methods seem more compassionate. And then, of course, we have the, the confession at the end that he is Bruce Wayne. And he uses his father as a model for his ideals, or he says his father is a model for his ideals. Yeah. Do you feel like it's Thomas, Thomas Wayne, or do you think the doctor in, in Thomas Wayne, that is the model? I mean, he's, he's, he's his son, so he'll see him as Thomas Wayne. I mean, and not just any other doctor. Whether it is in Long Halloween or other stories, they're having stories, or even like in the in like the uh, the Silver Golden Age, there were stories where Thomas Wayne saves the life of gangsters uh, because that's his Hippocratic oath, and that in post crisis has often been an explanation for why Batman doesn't kill because he patterns that off of his his father who would save anybody's life, even 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 at the cost of his own convenience. But it's I always remember to say, let's see, or, or he just like you know, and Batman could probably have like disarmed this guy faster, but he's just stands in front of him while he just takes shot after shot, gunshot mm-hmm. after gunshot after gunshot, point blank, wearing out his Kevlar. His ribs are breaking. Later on, Catwoman was like, what was up with that? <laughs> like, I get you sacrificing yourself to save somebody, like, 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 like an innocent person or even a friend. I would do that. But that guy's a killer. He's a criminal. Yeah. And Batman's like, doesn't matter. And, and that is, it goes back to what Alan Moore has said about Batman. You know, the, what separates him from all the other vigilantes in pop culture is that he has he has a particular kind of compassion. Mm-hmm. My final Even though question. he's a jerk. Thank you for um, saying that. I appreciate that. My final question on this issue actually is Catwoman and her use here, not only in this issue, but in the, well, I mean, it's mostly in this issue. Do you feel like she's brought on to act as a counterpoint to Superman? She's, always, she's, she's an important character to Batman. And I think that like when, when she's involved, and a story that she's not often showed up in. It's I think it's it's meant to carry a certain weight. And there's a bit later on where she's like, you know, you were just looking for me, weren't you? And he's like, yeah, you caught me. Which I don't think that's true. But like, it's kind of that, that relationship. It's kind of that BTAS relationship. Yeah. Where they're kind of they're having this sort of like this sort of like very personal dance between each other. That that uh, you know, that I don't think was meant to carry on into hush as soon as it did, but it does, and I think works well. The flirtation. Look at this cape. <laughs> What's happening? 
Maybe yeah, it's, that's... it's like spawn. <laughs> Maybe that's never mind. <laughs> Whoa, never mind. His post is interesting. I know. Maybe he has a you know what, and they don't want to show it, so they use the cape instead. Anyway. <laughs> I think his suit would hide that, but maybe it doesn't. I, mm-hmm. I am reading. I am reading. I, this, I'll, I'll talk about this later on. But I am reading a book where the chapter is currently all about the superhero phallus, and I'm getting <laughs> a, a whole bunch of that. <laughs> Golly, okay. And this, of course, wait, is this is this it? Oh yes, yes, yes. Look at that, kind of smiling. Daylight. I yeah, I know. I'm Bruce Wayne. I always have been. So we end really on a victorious moment. So these two issues, yeah, are really great paired up together. Six hundred three and six hundred four. I have been so blind all this time. I thought the real Bruce Wayne was that happy child of memory. But now that everything has been stripped away I, from him, I realize that mask is not Bruce, not at all. I am Bruce Wayne. I always have been. Da, da, da. Very exciting. Okay, and then we go into. Detective Comics, yeah, seven seventy one. Oh God, uh, I mean, it's good, but like it, it, back to like the the complicated CIA plot. I know, yeah. Out, so something that I found unrealistic, but it it keeps up throughout the rest of this, is that Alfred never met Sasha, and she was living under. I mean, they were living in the same place. Well, no, no, because well, no, no, Alfred had left until, and this is where it brought oh, him back. Oh, that's right, because he was at Brentwood with Tim. Yeah, no, no, he, oh. he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't, like, not go downstairs and he not was see like, her. what's happening? She's got to live in one of the rooms upstairs. Yeah, okay. Now that, thank you for bringing my attention back to that. I forgot about that. It's weird that, like, Oracle never knew who she was. Like, like, like no one else knew who she, she was, which to me is, like, she was only with Batman for, like, a month, if even that. And then that would imply that, like, Batman hadn't talked to anybody for that long. Or that, how could no one have seen them out together on patrol? Yeah, I mean, I get that she was there briefly. I, I, I don't, I do not know, and maybe this is explained later on in your trade if she was created for the purposes of this story because it, it, she's she was she was created like just right before. It's 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 hardly any time. Yeah. So maybe if it were for the purposes of this story, that's why no one else knew who she was, like like Barbara. Yeah. Uh, this is a key panel right here uh, where Syed says, don't be such a jerk. So I appreciate that coming out right here in the trade. Blasphemy. Alfred knows Batman is innocent because he knew his father, which was an interesting line. I'm not sure if it's right here or not, but it's again a harassment. <laughs> it's, it's like the departed. Oh, yeah. Everybody's like, I knew your father. I knew his father. I knew yeah. his father. Yeah. Look at how many times... <laughs> That Christmas goes up to him, but yeah, so that's the reason that he knows. I, I, I laughed when Maggie Sawyer was like, "You're getting a harassment suit, <laughs> Alfred Pennyworth." <laughs> you need to leave him alone. Yeah. And I, was I, I actually really liked this falling sequence. I thought that this was pretty cool, where he oh, gets Batman, shot out. Batman's like, "Now let me be a detective." Hey, is that somebody in there? And he gets shot, and he's like, "Oh snap!" Oh boy. Yeah, that's awesome. And then he doesn't have much, so he's like, "Oh," and he and he falls into some garbage. And then doesn't a man come by? Yeah, <laughs> this is a dangerous place. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. Yeah, it's good stuff. And then the next scene, he's like taping up his ribs yep. because he's Spider-Man through oh, maximum carnage without Alfred by him. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? I want to read that 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 TCPD scene where it's like, <sighs> Detective, Detective Allen, a moment of your time, please. Is there a problem? What's up? Alfred Pennyworth says you're harassing them. I'm not. Every suspect who doesn't like our questions calls a harassment. 
I'm pursuing an investigation, and he's part of it. Is he a suspect? Someone aided Wayne's flight captain. Pennyworth knows where he went. Renee says, you think Wayne's still in Gotham? No, I just don't think he's in Santa Prisca. And then he's like, uh, she's like, charge him with something. Jay will after you. You're not the only one who wants Wayne back in custody. Because this is, I guess this is still before Gotham Knights. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, Gotham Central. Yeah. I guess this is after that, but like, if, if, it feels very much the same universe. Yep. Okay, we're moving on to the death of Cassandra by the hands of Dick Grayson. I know people would be happy about that, but I love this issue. Oh, man. So this is Batgirl 29. Oh, boy. Okay, so she's envisioning... Envisioning? Oh, man. Yeah. She always has these really vi- vivid, lucid dreams. But anyway, yeah, you tell because they're always like, like colored red. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, and it kind of looks like Bat, Bat Asriel. Anyway, yeah, envisioning Vesper getting killed. And... There was something. Oh, okay. This quote here, I feel guilty for doubting him. Did she? Did she ever doubt him? This seems a bit out of character. I thought she was on board with everything. I would say that she voiced his support, but you know, when brought up with moments that that were evidence sources of guilt, even though she didn't voice it out loud, she did not know what to think. And she feels sorry that she didn't give him even more than she gave him. And Dick says, yeah, we all do. It's because there are moments where Dick wasn't sure. He didn't voice it, but he wasn't sure. Yeah. So I think, I think it makes sense. Okay. And I just say just real quick that like, I think this is the first major time that we see like Dick and Cass together. And mm-hmm. I think they, I think they make a great pair, especially that, that first shot of Nightwing was like, Hey, come on. We got, we got a kid to break in. Like, like he's been working with Tim and Alfred. And at this point he's like, all right, let's bring in Cass and she can contribute in this way. And because he's like an elder statesman of the Bat family, it feels very much in point on that he's very ingratiating. Like he's not, you know, I think Barbara, just, just by nature of who Cass is, can be kind of frustrated by Cass. And well, Dick is, is a, a lot more like kind of like friendly. And I, I, I think it's a good ex- example of, of how these characters interact. I had to read this particular page a couple of times <laughs> just with, they basically prove his innocence by figuring out what he could and could not do kind of, you know, she's not saying he did it. She's saying he could have, and she's right. There's no evidence to prove he didn't disproving theories is what we, what we're here to do. Let's stage our crime and see what develops. So at first I thought, man, does this contradict things? But I thought, no, I guess this is the way to be a detective potentially. So this whole issue for me felt almost like a Sherlock Holmes case. Mm. Dick as Sherlock talking through everything to Cass as Watson. This is kind of a fun little uh, team up there. There was a scene look, look, at the bottom there. Isn't that funny? The way that, that whoever did this drew Alfred's hair as a little backward S. <laughs> Damien Scott. Yeah. It's like, it's like a question mark almost. <laughs> oh, I, that, that, that made me happy for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just looks really funny. I think that's all I had on this. Yeah, it was a big investigation and detectiving, which was fun issue. A lot of it, yeah, a lot of it is Dick as a detective yeah. working through the scenario, talking out loud to Alfred and Cassandra. Is Tim even in this? Because like he's on the cover. No, it was a lie. I don't but I like it. how Cass is like, listen, you gotta you gotta hit me harder yep. for this to keep her awake or whatever. And I, the the reason this is smartly written because like you know it's like it's the skill and like you know outrage of a murderer and stuff and them figuring it out and you can tell that like they're they're getting sickened by kind of re- reenacting this yeah that's why Alfred's on hand to play the audio 
And this entire time, they, they kind of have this sort of like chorus of like, Batman could do it. What? Well, no, he could do it. But I'm not saying he did do it. Batman could have done this. What? Well, you know, say it's not it's not impossible that he could have done. So then by the end, Cass is like, you know, I guess he could have done this. And then like once they conclude how this murder was done, Nightwing is like, you know, not the man I know. He could never have done this. And, and like that's good because it's, it's like if this is exactly how, how it's done, this is not something that Bruce Wayne would would ever do, mm-hmm. which is good storytelling. Absolutely. And you also like- one last one last thing, Alfred oh, telling Cassandra. Well done, like in the in the margins. Is, oh is yeah, really nice. I like that as well. Do you like the little hairs on his chinny chin chin? I, I, I like that. You know, I, I don't need to see Dick in the beard and stuff like that. But you know, he's. I feel like he's been the one who's like cares the most about. He and Bats the one that's been like kind of doing the doing a lot. Although there's been stuff in his city at the time, but like uh, he's this guy's been wearing him out. Oh yeah, he should probably have a full beard and smell really bad. Maybe not. I mean, it's been three months. They they say in this issue. Oof, it was. Yeah, imagine doing that, that role-playing. That, that does have to be hard. So I'm glad it shows on the uh, the faces of the peoples. And then, yeah, well done. Great stuff. This is a favorite of mine. Oh, uh, okay. So we're going to oh, quit. This is it. Is this Azrael? Is that, well, this is Gotham Knights, but it's basically oh, Azrael. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll do this quickly. So we find out Azrael is dying. Um, he actually hit Alfred to get his suit back, which Nightwing doesn't like. He's like, my Alfred? Um, yeah. He actually hits Nightwing with a microwave, which is somewhat amusing. I don't know. <laughs> like a microwave of all things. Leslie still cares about Asriel, which I like. There's a huge moment here where I felt like you and I were written into this comic. Let me find it. I know I know something that you didn't like. It's Here it is. Get a hold of yourself. You lied to me. <laughs> you told me murder was unacceptable. You're <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, that's Donovan and I'm Batman. How has this happened? That is a oh. funny panel. Oh I know. I'm going to post that on Twitter later. But anyway, so Amazing. there you go. And then, according to Oracle, Tim is the only same member left. True. <laughs> oh, which I appreciated. It was like, okay. And by the end, Batman pulls a Homer Simpson on Azrael. By doing this? <laughs> Why you little? Yeah. Okay. So then we do you have anything to say about that? Well, I mentioned that like there's something here that I know you didn't like, which is like at one point Oracle addresses Batman as sir. I yeah, I don't like it. I really don't. And it's I want to express myself that it's not, you know, I don't I have this weird it. thing of, you know, I hate Batman and he should never be called sir or boss or anything. But from Barbara Gordon, I really don't think she would. And I know that it's just a Devin Grayson thing, but it just does not make sense. If there were icicle bubbles and she occasionally did it, like sarcastically, yes. But this way, I don't I don't think so. I am used to her calling him, referring to him as boss almost like sarcastically. Yeah. Like whenever she does it, it's, it's never with like a too deep of, re- of reverence. But even I will say like, you know, her, him, her calling him sir doesn't sound right. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so here, he, at least he's got his violent tendencies back now, I guess. So here, yeah, but but it's a bit of a, I don't know. I feel like it's a mischaracterization now that he's already said that he is Bruce Wayne. So now he's back to being this this crazy. <laughs> Leslie blames Batman for the corruption of Azrael. Do you think that's fair? I don't know. I think Daniel Neal's lost his mind at this point. Oh, okay. Um, and also... And this is why, because I, I I didn't read this until like 
I don't know when I first read this, but it wasn't when, when this is coming out. But like, it doesn't feel right that like Robin and Nightwing run into Batman and the are they in the Batcave or not? Yeah, I think so because didn't he come to the cave? Well, I think it's also a reference that they hadn't seen. They haven't been back yeah, in the right cave there. since six hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this this all feels so totally like filler. Okay, and then, and there's some of them who are like you know I'm not Bruce. It doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So, but one thing that was really big happened in here that I thought, wow, you have done it in here. Where is it here? Bruce Wayne did not kill Vesper Fairchild. Remember, that was a huge point in 600 that he wouldn't say anything. And when Superman didn't ask and Bruce and well, Batman didn't say anything. So why, why does he confess it in this book, which you're saying it's filler to Asriel of all people. He finally fesses up and says it out loud that he did not kill Vesper Fairchild. What do you think about that? Well, Asriel called him a hypocrite. He doesn't want to be called that. So (laughs) nobody does. <laughs> you wouldn't know. The, you wouldn't know anything about that. Would you tell it? Oh, I know up, everything. That, that, about- that footage is lost by uh-huh. my uncle. Oh my gosh! Do you think? Oh, that might have been lost footage. Yeah, no, because 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 you were explaining it the next in the in the aired version, but the original version was yeah. me like giving you a big talking to, and, and you were just like it's sitting in disbelief. Yeah. In this issue, I just have to say that Batman asks a really dumb question that he's like, why Why did you use the explosives when in just a couple pages before, it's kind of clear why he used the explosives because the, the castle exploded um, or wherever he is. <laughs> yeah, it so sucks. It was very bizarre. But I did, the only thing I had to say is just that Leslie here uh, lambasts Batman, just like really goes after him. Anyways, okay, so that's it for Asriel. That's all I want to say. Thank you for indulging me. Okay, well, two issues and then Fugitive is over, <laughs> but we have a couple <laughs> other ones. So Detective seven, oh, 772 Principal. Okay, so finally, if you've been wondering what's been going on with Sasha, we're about to find out. So she's been convicted, life, no parole. And she actually admits at one point that uh, she's dying for Bruce so he better be living. <laughs> Do you think she'd be disappointed in how he's been living as Batman, given that she's yeah, because so she, because he's 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 like he broke out. He could break her out. And That's honestly, what, oh, thank you. <laughs> my memory, I read this. I read this last week, but my memory is shot. Like I, I try to remember what was his what was his plan. Like, I guess I guess he needed to clear himself before he could attend to her because she was in danger ish. But boy, it was like he could have hurried that up a bit. I know. And and it's man, she's just been pushed to despair. I mean, this this is a rough issue to watch. Uh, this sorry, is very dark. She keeps getting harassed by Amherst that's basically looking for a confession, which is interesting because she's not she's been cajoled up to cajoled up to now and she still hasn't said anything. So why is is this it? But then it just wears on her. She's getting beat up. I mean, I guess we have the requisite uh, shower scene there for some reason, Vena Sterling. And uh. there's a, oh man, she finally just breaks down. And yeah, look at this. Whatever you think you owe him, you've paid it, more than paid it. He left you behind. This is how you get out. The only way you can live again. Um, so she's just pushed to despair. And and I think that's why she, she confesses. But did she... <sighs> Really believe Batman would have broken her out? Uh, do you think that was silly? I mean, mm, I think that she, I think once she learned that he did broke himself out, she was like, 
And she doesn't really know him that well. Yeah. She would. She, yeah, she would think so. I would. I would think so. Like, yeah. Hey, I, I would as well. Me. Yeah. Amherst's motivations or the NSA. Does this connect with the drugs or is it just another mission? Boy, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do What do you think? Honestly, please. Answer I honestly your question. don't know how this works because now when we find out that the president is the one, well. I guess maybe it makes sense if the president is the one who had Luther is the one who had the desire to defame Bruce, then Am and Amherst is the agent and Amherst hired the person to do it. Then Amherst could do it this way by getting Sasha to still confess, even though he's broken out. So I I suppose so. And then the drugs are just the payout. So I guess this this still kind of connects, but it gets like. This, it it is a, a bit convoluted, so you really have to track with everything. So the hardest part for me, oh man, again a hard read. But we have this conversation between Alfred and Sasha, first time they're meeting here, and he says some hard things here. And you might have thought that I liked it, but I didn't. That he uses, he used her. Sorry, Alfred says that Batman has used her, and he uses everybody. Ooh. So as a Batman apologist, Donovan, <laughs> is this overly harsh or would you say that you would agree that Batman does, in fact, use everyone? I think I, I would want some kind of like clarification or, or expounding upon that point. This is not untrue, but like if the sort of like question and answer of this of this statement is that like he used you to escape. I don't think that's true. But like if he says if he, he used you. As a as a means to his ends that he thought was the right thing to do, or whatever that that is true. Yeah, Bruce Wayne is not going to like let her rot in prison. Now he might be up his own ass and like kind of like take a sweet time getting her there because he has he's having an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. But like he's he's coming after her, but she, but she has no reason to know that. Yeah. So like having her feel worse about Bruce is only going to drive him further and drive her further into like the, uh, the clutches of Amherst. I I just think that like you know it's not an inaccurate statement, but it also kind of requires more than how it sounds yeah and then of course he asks her a big question of have you done what you have done for yourself or for him so it gets her to reflect and she says both oh man what do you make yeah what do you make of uh, all this it's yeah it's i i really liked this conversation i think it's a really hard conversation and i i think it's coming from a man who has seen bruce in every light and has been pushed aside as well and has been used. So he's able to, I think, speak honestly to her. And I, I think she doesn't need, I think she probably does need compat just because she's in this terrible spot, but he's also going to speak to her, I think, as an equal and be honest with her. And I guess he can't know what she's going through, but at least he can be like, you know, I understand what you're going through and kind of talks to her. So it's a really deep and honest conversation. And then it, it gets even more, I don't even know what the word would be when we get to Bruce and Sasha's final scene, where we find out that actually everything he's done with her has been this contrivance. Like he really has used her, which is, is pretty bad. Like he, he knowingly let his identity slip and all of that. So he could keep her cool. Like it's all about control with him, which was kind of mm-hmm. crazy. But I mean, this kind of snaps her out of it a bit because she is able to, you know, she thinks about it. 
decides to I cut off that. ties almost with I know cut off ties with Bruce and and be like finally maybe not hope that he's going well I should say Batman but he's not going to rescue her so she's got to take care of herself which I appreciate and then you have to go to hell there it's hard too because remember that she's in love with him yep so it's also it's not just you know someone has <laughs> betrayed her that you know was a partner in crime fighting or was a mentor it was someone that she loved and and he left her behind and she's kind of finding these new dimensions to him and at at some point i feel like uh, maybe everything is exacerbated because she is you know in this isolated position she really has no friends in there she's getting attacked she's very vulnerable so of course she's going to like really lash out and consider everything and ruminate so much that it's going to almost gnaw at her but yeah it's it's a it's a really good issue so i would say this is one of my tops as well but it's hard it's a hard read you know what's funny about this this is the same artist i was on the diazrael story oh interesting Sergio Cariello. It doesn't look it immediately, but I was like, who was on this artwork? And they're like, yeah, it's Sergio Cariello. Obviously, the inks are different, but like, yeah, we, we just, yeah, he, he was doing uh, double duty this this time. Sure was. Okay. We have Gotham Knights. Uh, this is awesome. This is, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is awesome. Called Clean. And so we find out, this is where we find out that the heroine, finally, this is where we find out, what is this, part 17? That the heroine was part of a payment plan for a Mr. Smith, and he was hired by Amherst to character assassinate Bruce, orders from the White House. So we find everything comes together here. Uh, Amherst, who is right here, is freaking out because someone's coming after him. He doesn't believe the Batman exists. He thinks it's some really trained killer. Yeah, thoughts, thoughts on this? Oh, man. Yeah, the fight here. It was crazy. And then when he talks to this big man and goes through all the the people that he just took out and like knows all their weak points, like some guy has a bad knee. Badass. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so cool. It's pretty crazy. He knew everything, a bad shoulder and squeezes it. Just wants to know where that Amherst person is. I'll and tell you this. There's a shot in the battle with all these guys yep. where a dude's <laughs> reaching for a beer bottle. Batman stabs his hand with a batarang, which is pretty violent for him. I mean, usually he'll throw like a like a like a bat shuriken into hands to disarm some guns or whatever. But like after, after he sticks it in, in the guy's hands, his gushes blood. The guy's like like reacting to his hand. There's a shot of Batman, and you don't even see his eyes and just his face. This that storytelling where it's like it's very much like like do you think I'm kidding right now? That I think is awesome. And because he, he goes ahead, this goes, this goes a ways to, you know, to kind of like describe the dimensions of brutality he's willing to engage. He says, you know, no, I'm, I'm not going to kill anybody, but I'm going to, you're going to wish I had, I'll, I'll just incapacitate you and your men. He knows everything about them. So, like, the kinds of pain he can inflict on people can be unpredictable and scary, even if he has this, like, unexpected rule against killing. And I just thought that was, I love Roger Robinson's artwork. It's, he's such an underrated Batman artist. And I think that, like, you know, I'm not, a guy who's like Batman knows everything. He's bad guy or whatever. He can do anything. But I do like when he goes into a situation and just knows these crooks and like, they don't know anything about him. I think that's cool. Yeah. I really like the, this set of panels, this particular page, I think is pretty cool. With the, 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 the gas sifting out of the room. Yep. And the lights and everything, the striations. Yeah. Yep. And then we learn the truth. Any thoughts on this? I mean, that was basically, this was a, a big 
I was about to say info dump, but it's not really a dump, but just like we learn a great deal just in this particular issue. Motivations basically behind the whole thing. I love the dialogue um, because he's he's like um, specifics. What? I want specifics. Do I put them at risk? What did you pay Mr. Smith? 20 million, half up front. What did you tell him to do? Wait, these was a smear campaign? What do you think I told him? Kill Bruce Wayne? No, we need character assassination. You're attached to the White House. Who authorized operation? Are you kidding? I don't understand. Who gave the order? Come on. It is, you think it's like a secretary of state? This is from the top, the White House, the commander in chief. Any more questions? And it's like, oh, snap. <laughs> so, like, not only was this, oh, man, my God, the president, but like at the time in DC Comics, the president was Lex Luthor. Yeah. And so, like, oh, like, the idea that he was behind this, I don't think was, because I, yeah, I remember people online talking about who was behind this. And I think Luthor was a suspect because, you know, he was like the big DC bad guy, but I don't know how, how, huge of a suspect he was and of course um if you're reading the trade throughout all these chapters there have been kind of these puzzle pieces and the corner boxes and they all kind of like come to to the very end in the next issue which is uh batman 605 yep here we are okay so it's interesting cast well i guess that makes sense yeah, yeah batman i imagine sasha vesper batgirl luthor the killer in the middle and i don't immediately know who's in the bottom left is it the um, the homeless man that told him to get out of there? <laughs> this isn't safe you know, for you. You know, the classics. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Big question here. How well does the story transition to this finale? I think very well. And if you want to kind of like fight me on that, I don't say fight me on that, but like disagree, that's fine. But I remember when this story came out, I and like when you were learning how complex it was, involved journals, involved you know what people were saying, how how bad it made Batman look, how intelligent the killer had to be, and like where it all like kind of led up. I think that like however you might be satisfied or unsatisfied with like the revelation of who is behind all of this, I think the mystery itself was was brilliant. I think the mystery itself was very good. Maybe some of the things should have been rearranged in or in certain orders in terms of like you know character emotions. I have nothing but high praise for how the mystery is laid out. What do you think? I think now I, I'm going to answer now differently than I would have when I originally read these. Now, remember, I read them over a span of three days, but re, I guess scanning through all of this in the matter of the past two hours <laughs> changed me slightly. In the beginning, I would have said not well. I, I just feel like it was almost like all these pieces, you know, I guess pun intended, and then they kind of came together, or at least some of the pieces came together, and then we had the end point. But now I see there are a lot of pieces, and some of them are like, you've really got to track with them in order to, like the heroine, for instance, because that's oh, yeah. at the very beginning, and you're like, how is this working, and Saeed, and all of that. But they all do start to filter down and get to this uh, particular end point. So now that I've seen everything, it's almost something that you should read in one sitting, potentially, you know, to work out, uh, to see everything come together. And I guess in the proper order, because who knows, this these trades might not be doing anyone any favors. But I, I would say that it does transition a bit better. I think it's not the smoothest story for me, I would say. I mean, I okay. guess I'll, I'll withhold my, my overall comments on it, but uh, I think looking at it now if i have a better opinion of it than i did earlier on uh the grave scene 
Do you feel like this is sufficient to show Vesper's importance to Bruce? Yeah, because she was a love interest. And like, you know, not only was she killed, but she was killed in his home as a, as a set up for him. And he's like, he's going to feel, I think anybody would feel guilty about that. Like, oh, this is all my fault. And this is like, and he says, you know, this is all about, about one idiot's pride and stuff. But yeah, he feels very, uh, yeah, I think this works. I, yeah, I think it's, I'm glad that we had this moment because we, we weren't really seeing Bruce's feelings on the whole murder. And so we kind of finally get there with this. I like how he explains it, where it's it's like when he his mind was kind of splitting between like analyzing the clues as Batman and mourning her death as Bruce Wayne. And Mm -hmm. that makes total sense. It was like he was shocked and appalled and in grief, but he was also like trying to figure it out. And then the cops come. So it's like, you know, you can't blame him for like not getting out of there in time. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I just wish it hadn't waited until the last part to do this but i guess you know his mind was on other things he was having other issues so now he can really sift through i think these emotions so it does make sense when he gets to the people oh this is nice because you know he's he he apologizes that he hit dick and dick says uh you know as months ago i did hit you first and he said it's not the same thing and he even offers you know to give him the explanation before the others which is nice did you catch Boop. mom pocket in the airport i did catch yeah with, <laughs> with uh david kane hanging out there he says oh look at that i'm not an easy person to know and yeah. then of course that's the one that says that's the understatement <laughs> of the century that's the I big enjoy. one but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you think that's sufficient to say that much a lot of this was like the stress of like how he acts yeah and he's and he basically apologizes saying listen i before everyone all this i know i'm not an easy person to know and that's all and then like everyone looks like an explosion just happened although alfred looks pretty amused like but did you, but do you think he should have said more or does that sum it up i would have loved for him to say to apologize uh he says it to dick but not to the whole family and then i i do think though at I, he when he explains or confesses that I had been coming apart inside ever since your father was shot, Barbara, I think that's really huge. So him admitting that this started here, I recognize that all of these things were happening and, and, you know, everyone's really shocked too, Barbara, especially. Yeah. I love love that. I love that panel that that you're on. I do not like how Barbara looks in the next one. She looks kind of, she looks kind of goofy. Oh Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad he confesses that. I think just an apology maybe for, you know, putting everyone through that, you know, certain things. Or if he had individual, perhaps they just didn't have page space. But it was nice that he had that moment with Dick. But I almost wish he could have that with each individual person because they each suffered sounds so like dramatic. But they they each did endure something different with all of this that that went down. So it would have been interesting. You know, Tim, his identity was released. So being apologizing for yes. that potentially. So, you know, certain things like that I think would have been nice. But he is uh he's a complicated man and uh, this might be the best that we get with this guy. So we, we should just be happy with what we have. Yeah. It's good stuff. So the Kane reveal, we know that he's not dead. Trying to figure out where this is. <laughs> I, I, I love, I love that. Yeah. Well, like they kind of lead it up because yeah. like, he's like, you know, there were two plans. What? And we can definitely get into this, but when when they reveal it, he's like, Luthor picked the best assassin money could buy, David Kane, and, and 
Batgirl says, he's not dead? He's like, no, I guess not. But I mean, I never believed in the first place. Yeah. So do you think that this Bruce Wayne, I don't know, murder fugitive all began in Batgirl with that one particular issue? Issue. Sorry, that was weird. I mean, like, you know, it was clearly this was this story was clearly written in advance or outlined in advance. Um, and I think that I mean, I don't know because we saw at the end of that issue that David King wasn't dead. You know, he's like never never turned a man on his own daughter. And he I know he was a suspect online. I think this began when Batman beat the pudding out of him <laughs> and saying, Cassandra's never gonna be yours, she's mine, essentially. Oh. Way back in like Batgirl number like seven or eight, where she was getting beaten up by Shiva and Batman was had traveled, witnessed the abuse that, that David Kane implemented on her, beat the tar out of him and said, You're never gonna see her again. And David Kane, who had who in his own way, very much loves Cassandra. Once he was given the, he, not that he was planning this then, but when Luthor hired him to go after Bruce Wayne, and then he found out Bruce Wayne is Batman. Said, oh wait a minute, Bruce Wayne is the same guy who just threatened me over my daughter. I'm gonna fix him good. Like that's what because like because like as Robin points out, wait a minute, wait wait wait. Someone hired a fr- frame Bruce Wayne. The evidence that framed you uh, implicates, you know makes it aware that they know you're Batman, but the person who wanted to frame you doesn't know you're Batman. So how does this all work? And it's like, basically, David Kane figured out that Bruce Wayne was Batman when he was hired to frame Bruce Wayne. And so he went the extra mile to make it even worse than put doubt in the Bat family's mind because he was really annoyed that Bruce Wayne got in the way of him re- reuniting with Cassandra after all these years. Yeah. And he sa- he says it was luck. Luck helped him out. I mean, do you buy that? Yeah, no, I think I think it's a perfectly sound coincidence that like you know it not only not only is it like you know the guy who figures out who Batman is, but because David Kane trained Bruce Wayne. I mean, I, this doesn't seem. I mean, this is a comic book, but this doesn't seem all that majorly contrived, just because of who these characters are. Uh, but what do you think? Do you think it is contrived? No, well, no, I just don't buy the luck. I suppose no, I, I think that it all works out, but I think it, a bit more than luck went into play. I think. David, well, there's something I don't necessarily buy, which I, I think it's in one of the in the, the David Kane wrap up where he's just like looking at a photograph of Bruce Wayne. He's like, when I looked at him, I realized it was like that weepy kid that came to me to be trained. And I thought, really, you oh, can yeah. see that all from a photograph. So I didn't necessarily buy that. And I don't buy the luck. I think that more had to come into it. I think more because that that almost shortchanges David Kane's abilities. I feel like, wouldn't he be able to? I mean, maybe, he, I guess he's not a detective, but... I mean, he's not he running to, to, he's not running to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, for a while. And, you know, obviously, because Batman has had was trained by him, he doesn't want somebody like Kane to know who he is. Like, yeah. he says, Kane was hired to destroy Bruce Wayne. He decided to go a Luthor one better. He thought he could use this opportunity to bring down the Batman as well. So he framed me for a crime whose only motive would, would could be that I was protecting my secret. It was a brilliant plan. It drove me so far away from Bruce Wayne that I lost myself. So like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, like, I uh, him finding out who Batman is. Uh, but I, I think it's, I think it's a really cool idea that like, because the DC universe at large, including Lex Luthor, doesn't know that Bruce Wayne's Batman. But the guy who's hired to frame him is somebody who trained Bruce Wayne, and through the circumstances, it's like, oh wait a minute, he's Batman. And this, and he's, I'm mad at Batman right now. I want to go after him this way. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you might not be wrong, honestly. I, it, it might be a lot to take in for motivation, but I think it's if it's if it even doesn't work, I think it's cool just because it, it's so character driven more than anything else, and it says more about David Kane than it does about like the mechanics of Luthor's plan. 
Yeah. So look at Cassandra's face. <laughs> I know. Well, she's told she can't go. That's actually my next question is it's ironic that, well, I guess it's more of a statement. It's ironic that Batman wants Cass off the case here, but was fine with her being on the other one with Kane. Oh, I've seen the video. Remember? She's like, all of a sudden, I'm so sorry, Cass, you need to stay here. I just thought different writers. Well, it's, it's also so. like, I mean, I'm sure that he knows that like Cass is being there to distract both of them, like, like legitimately. Yeah. Where those red eye shades come from, Batman? Uh, he's clearly hard act Batman, so obviously. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like this whole plan. I mean, I thought, well, first of all, there are a bunch of decoys, life model decoys of Kane, and everyone's uh, having dead ends. And then all of a sudden, he comes to. Well, first of all, she is being motherly to to Dick and Tim <laughs> to be to be careful. But then he's right behind her. Uh, she gets knocked out. I thought, oh man, what's going on here? She's freaking out, but it's all an act because they knew that this was going to happen. So I, I love that they basically had a bunch of contingency plans and they all knew what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I, I like. It. And I'm really, I, I must have there's some letters pages maybe for Hush where they're going after like what they think is david kane oracle says careful nightwing kane's a killer yeah so am i in the fangirl swoon oh uh, um, oh i didn't know i mean that's that was a huge moment there that he admitted that oh i don't think that he's like you know a, a, a badass i don't think that it was meant like you know i well, killed the joker. the joker yeah yeah I, I i didn't think that way i suppose that's true there's a beat where that girl flies the coop as as Oracle says, Nightwing and Robin go after who they oh, think yeah. is Kane. They, they, they he runs into who he says Batman, but it's another decoy. And then like, wait, this isn't Kane either. And then Barbara Gurns like, where is he? And like he like Batman's behind her. And then the next thing she does is like like yell out, yeah, she has her screamer sticks immediately in her hand. It's yeah. it's it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Okay. Batman shows to kick his ass. Of course. Look at that. The mentor and the mentee. And yet Alfred is as Batman in disguise in the field. His, uh, yeah, I guess with lots of padding, potentially. Yeah. It's, it's like the first issue of Tom Comedy's <clears throat> run. Okay. There was something. Oh, okay. Well, he strip your entire life away to show what you really are. A monster just like me at work, too. A normal man would have turned to his family for help, especially with the kind of family you have, but you just push them away. You caved in on yourself because you're weak. Question: What's the difference between Kane and Bane? Bane wanted the he wanted all the smoke and and wanted to be the best in Gotham City because Batman was such a legendary worldwide legend. Kane just hates Bruce Wayne personally. He doesn't, he doesn't really care that he's Batman, but like you know, the guy took uh, Cassandra away from him, and also he doesn't really he never really thought much of him as a person in the first place. Like Bane hates Batman. David Kane hates Bruce Wayne. Okay. That's a good answer. I appreciate that. Oh man, look at this. Love it. Yeah, she's the she's telling him to stop. I mean, he's going out. Look at that. He almost killed him. I uh, think it's cool that like that like he says, you know, a normal man would have gone to his family, especially like your kind of family, but you pushed away because you're weak. And like he's not wrong. That's what he did. Yeah. And Batman's like, I'll kill you. Cassandra's <laughs> like, wait, I'm still here. He's like, Oh, that's right. Oh man. I'm not like you, not anymore. <sighs> So my final question on this is, why would Kane confess so easily? Does that make sense? He's, 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 you have to make it right. You have to. And then he says, sure. What difference does it make now? Kane just doesn't. He's he's we've seen him before. You know, he all he does is drink and watch home movies like he <laughs> is a loser. 
like, like, what, 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 like he took this job because you know he didn't have anything else to do. But like he was kind of just in a rut for a while. Yeah, he's he's not really doing much. Like like yeah. uh, there really isn't like he remember he was doing nothing and then Batman beat, beat him up and then he was arrested and put in the hospital. Or no, sorry, he was put in the hospital. Then he escaped arrest and then he you know okay, well I'm out and about. I might as well take a job. It ended up being a Cassandra Cain thing. He got mad about that. Then he took around the president's job because it's a president. It ended up being this. So he's like, he's like, he keeps on coming back to Batman, and he's like, I'm, I'm done, I'm done. That's why, I mean, later on, like he, he wants Deadshot to kill him because he's, he's just, he's just lost all sense of purpose. Wow, That's it's almost like I read it and you didn't. No, I, I read it. It was just this. It was, it was confusing for me because I thought you have the chance to still tear down Bruce Wayne, but you're easily giving up and like, sure, and now you're gonna help. Bruce Wayne by clearing his name. So it confounded me a bit. Sure, no, I understand that. So that was rude of you to say that I, I didn't read closely. I just had my own thoughts. Any <laughs> any other thoughts on this issue, which is the culmination of Fugitive? I like this about as much as I like 600. I think it's a great opposite version where you have the Bat family working together. It's a terrific, it's whole story is a great Bat family story. Mm-hmm. I think the plan is cool. The action is cool. It's like uh, Kane and Batman fighting. It's kind of like Batman and Nightwing fighting. And, uh, you know, like, I do like that part of this is because of, like, you know, what kind of started out in No Man's Land when we first meet Kane and Cassandra Kane. But no, and I, I find this to be a highly satisfying conclusion. Um, I know that you thought that the, the, the mystery itself was kind of odd and they're, they're the whole thing with purity and stuff, which I understand. So, like, does that impact your thoughts? Like, how, how, do, how do you rate this issue? How do I rate this particular issue? Or just like, you know, what I mean, like, you know, like, like what, what are your, what's your opinion of it, positive or negative? Oh, I really liked it. I think, yeah, it was great to finally see the Bat family together. Batman, to a certain extent, owning what he had done and somewhat atoning for it. <laughs> and uh, the mystery being solved, the culmination there, and and Batman and and Kane going at it and everything, and a nice little wrap up. Yeah, so it's wrapped up well, I would say. the 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 main mystery, of course, we have some outstanding things that we need to to talk about too. I don't know that I like it as much as Six Hundred, though. That's fair. But I will. I mean, we can we can hash that out. Okay, so we have the Sasha which we can talk about all three at once. Detective Comics 773, 774, and 775. And the first one, they're all called Atonement. Uh, they're three parts. So the first one, I was really upset because Sasha dies. She gets hit in the yard with a, I don't know, I think they said like a 20-pound weight or something like that. A 20-pound number. Yeah, and bust up some ribs and I think it punctured there was like a tear to her liver I think and then it just grew and she collapses and dies and I was really upset. yeah look at that and then you've got all this uh, checkmate business going on because they had someone on the inside at the the prison and she was keeping tabs on Sasha and they realized that Sasha was this woman that was or I don't know this vigilante working with Batman so there's that side story there <sighs> I was confused, I guess, the criminal justice system, why her charges weren't dropped immediately since Bruce was cleared. Since, I mean, what what connection would she have? But maybe that's just wonky criminal justice. I like um, when they when Bruce mm-hmm. returns home and uh, earlier the issue before that, 
Alfred's like talking about, you know, she's a lot of visitors and stuff like that. Oh. And he's like, um, and he's like, uh, what's her attorney's name? Uh, Weist, Weist, or Weiss, David Weiss. Have Ray Green kind of him. I want that conviction overturned. He's like, he's like, get her ass out of there. I don't care how they do it. But yeah, and the next, I, I remember, again, when I was a kid, I was like, this is one of the most violent things I've seen where like someone just like uses a dumbbell to like yeah. cave in a person's stomach. And like, she's like spending the, the rest of the issue sweating and bleeding. and like, oh, what an awful way to go. I know. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. This is hard to read just because, you know, ugh, not wanting to visit her or not yet. Oh, man. Like, please just go visit her. Okay. So she's dead. In the next part, we see that she's actually not dead. But now <laughs> he's got to find out <laughs> where she is. I know. Uh, and she's going to get a new identity. She's going to work with Checkmate. So I, I was happy about that. Was this where he confronts her, confronts him on his feelings? I want her back. Oh, is it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So he wants Sasha, Bruce, wants Sasha back. And Alfred's overjoyed because he had no idea that he had such strong feelings. And then he's like, oh, oh no, you miss, you're, you're mistaken. That's not what this is about. And this is where we learn it's basically control. He's got a control issue and he wants her under his thumb because she knows too much. Um, so it would seem. Yeah. I mean, that that was one of my questions. Does he really only care about the secrets? I mean, if you were just to look at this, because we, we know that some stuff comes out in the next one, Shipper. But I mean, what do you think? Th- does this seem when you're oh. reading this, are you like, oh, there's got to be something more. This isn't just him, right? I, yeah. I I would probably, I think I was I was like oh well well if he if he says so but my initial reaction was like disbelief yeah it's so cold it, it's really yes. cold and it's hard to read because like we've you know as if I were a therapist we've come so far Bruce you're taking steps backward <laughs> what's going on here checkmate there's a scene at the end I thought this was interesting just that they visit here that they kind of let him mess around their system. Like he broke in and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll go. And then of course there's a woman watching him suspiciously. Mm -hmm. It is Sasha. And this is where he beat that woman. The beating happens right here. See? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I got my copy. Um, Yeah. That's the next issue. Yeah. You made your point, and then he, I'm just getting no. started, he beats up on her, and you said he wouldn't do that to a woman, but he did? I'm not saying he wouldn't beat up a woman, but I'm saying he wouldn't, like, oh, yeah, no, 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 it's, it's not like, you know, a woman just standing there, like, tell me what I, what I want to know or I'll beat you. It's like, I feel that there was, there was like, shared, con- I, 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 didn't, I didn't get the sense that it was as menacing as the previous example. But you know, your mom's very. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't because it's written by the same writer. He's not going to like just like you know. She's not exactly defenseless either. Yeah. Batman is he vindictive because his vendetta is also in, potentially endangering people because Checkmate is overall for the safety of the country and he's thwarting Checkmate. I guess he's also taking down the people that Checkmate are trying to take down. But do you have any issues with what he's doing in order to get back at Checkmate? I mean, his emotions really do drive him. So I think that like <laughs> it can kind of like lead him towards ways uh, that are just complete violent yeah. bias and prejudice. I don't. I don't think you're wrong. Okay. So this is, oh, man, 
what I really want to talk about, Sasha, Sasha, new identity, Jane Doe, as she goes, she doesn't have a new name, but they have, they have a talk because he's not going to let it go until he finds out what happened to her. So he knew, she says your secret is safe. And, and he, he knew that that's true. There's some tears. Oh my gosh. Look at all this stuff. I, I recommend, I mean, I could read this whole page to you people. So I really highly recommend 775. There's a lot that goes down here. And there's an emotional moment here. Yeah, She never wanted any of this stuff to happen. Knowing his secret, all of that. Just wanted to do her job. And uh, she wanted him. And then there's... <gasps> <laughs> there was a kiss. I mean, it was getting hot and heavy. I was like, oh, it's about to happen. And then it did. Oh, man. And then she pushes him away. And he's trying to, I mean, this is, oh, it's hard to read. There's some damage. He's trying to get her back, but it's just not, it's not working. Uh, but yeah, so this is actually where we find out that it, it was a trap. She thought she was clever. But it's, you know, the world's greatest detective wouldn't mis- make a mistake like that with the, the luggage and the hidden compartments just being out and everything. And so we find out that it's true. He wanted her to find him. He had to control her. And the best way to do that was to bring her inside into what he did. Oh, man. And uh, he said she was dangerous. Couldn't be sure. Don't lie to me. Because and you were getting was, close. Because yeah. I cared. Mm-hmm. You were falling in love with me. And I was afraid I felt the same. Man, isn't that crazy? I pushed you away. Oh, the costume was a way to control her. And uh, he he did, he does mention more. So these are, these are the emotions I like to see from Bruce. I don't need to see it all the time, but just like he's really burying himself here and being honest. Uh, he realizes how cold he had become. Um, and he's asking her to come back. And he's at, he admits that he loved her. She says poor Vesper, which is that that was hard for her. I remember in the yeah. and everything. And that's mentioned in, in these parts as well. Oh, there's an almost kiss. And then she leaves and says, don't find her again. And then we're, we're left with this, which is actually remarked at the end of this trade about uh, this end panel here. But just him alone, the white and then her footsteps um, or I guess tracks in the snow leading away from him is pretty powerful as well. So Bruce alone again. Yeah, I was there, man. <laughs> I was there. That's sad. Okay, any thoughts on the Atonement trilogy? A lot of the checkmate details I was just too young to care about. And so when I go over again, it's like, oh, yeah, this is all the details. But, like, no, I, I dig the first part and the last part where, like, she's still in prison. She gets killed, quote unquote. And then she comes out with, like, the short brown Betty Brown hair. <laughs> and there's that, that scene in the snowy park. Great stuff. And just the surprise, like, you know, I was falling in love with you too. It's like, gosh, that, 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 that's odd. But like, I mean, it's, it's not impossible. Batman's human. It can happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, it's, I like, the, I, I kind of like this story of a bodyguard who fell in with Bruce Wayne, but because of that, you know, was, was led into the secret and through no intention of someone was completely destroyed because of it. And so, and then like, by the end of it, she survives, but she's like, no, we're, I never want to see you again in a very meaningful, not in like a silver St. Cloud, like, you know, I can't handle it. It's just like, you know, this experience ruined my life and yeah. you, you being, being with you is not going to make that better. And I think that's, that's, I don't think, I think she comes off well. I don't think that's wrong of her to say. And I think that that's human and it works out. It, it, it works out well. I, I think I used to not be care- comfortable with the whole lovey dovey stuff because that's not really much of a part of, or at least that's not impressed upon all the time in the prison issues. 
but it is there. And, and I, I think I do like it now, now that I'm older. <laughs> Golly. Okay. <laughs> I think that because this is a Boland, it's probably Gotham Knights. Yeah, it's Gotham Knights 32. Seven, so I'm kind of out of order here. Um, can we do this or should I go back to Batman first? Uh, I mean, how much do you, I mean, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to confuse you. Like, uh, uh, we, we, uh, this is, uh, if I, I guess what I don't have too much. All I have to say is it's nice to see the different aspects of Bruce's life that are returning. There's a gay couple in here, which I thought was pleasantly surprising. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Look at that. And I did wonder why no one's questioning how Bruce actually escaped from prison. Uh, I think they are, but like uh, everyone's kind of like thinking, oh, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, this is basically about different aspects of people that are around him and and what that life is like. I, I like several of the scenes. I like this how he plays with Harvey Dent. He plays a move a night and visits him, which seems like the the compassionate Bruce we all care about. Some people have a Batman anniversary. Is it this one? No. Um, uh, the, the gay couple, I think. Oh, you're right about Batman saving them. Does she say boss? No. Oh, he asked about Jim. Yeah, it's just a nice little issue there, tie up. Okay, is this it? Okay. Well, 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 oh, hold on, hold on. Say? Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is my favorite issue of the whole story. Oh, is, oh I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, you know what? I'm, I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's late. Midnight. We're both tired. <laughs> That's no it. Worries. I apologize. I just thought like, oh, we'll go through this. Okay. You have the floor. It's Devin Grayson's final issue. It's a terrific day on, on Batman. You know, yes, he's gone through this thing. So this is like the day in the life, you know, where it's not just an ongoing mystery or a supervillain plot or murder storyline or whatever. So you see the good things that Bruce Wayne does during the daytime and his boardrooms and the business meeting, how he helps the less fortunate, how he people trying to get a job, former criminals, how he commits time to Leslie Tompkins, um, how he keeps his parents' memories alive, how he helps people trying to get into college, how he watches out for Dick Grayson, even though he's in Bloodhaven, how he uh, stays close with Lucius' family since he's suffering from a stroke, how he actually operates as Batman, how he saves lives, how criminals are influenced to not commit crime because of their Batman, yeah, how he keeps an eye out for Robin, even though he's, he's on his own, how he keeps an eye out for the cops like Renee Montoya. You know, as you mentioned, playing chess with Two-Face and Arkham, other people who feel safer because Batman's around, his usual gothic interrogations, asking about Commissioner Gordon to Oracle as they're kind of checking up and, and arriving back at Wayne Manor at like five in the morning. Uh, there's so many stereotypes of the average Batman story where it's like, oh, well, Gotham's a hellhole. No one would want to live there. Batman's crazy. He doesn't really do anything that, that can help save the city. And I feel that this is like the ultimate middle finger to that because this is kind of why he keeps on going. And how the positive effect he does have in people's lives. And this is why the Batman project or experiment by from Bruce Wayne was worth it in the end. At least at least it made for a meaningful life. And I know that Devin Grayson wanted to do something similar to this with her Nightwing run, but was fired before she could. But no, this is this is genuinely it's not only my favorite story, the story of the of the future story, this is one of my favorite Batman stories ever. And yeah, I I, I love it. But we can move on to the next one. I'm so sorry. I guess I should have <laughs> saved it for last, like your actual order. That's okay. I just was getting lazy and didn't want to flip through. That'll be me with this story. I don't, I don't see much with this. this oh, this one. Before. I just 
I have three questions on this. So this is Batman 606 to 607 Death Wish for Two. Kane. Oh, this was terrible. What death that that Deadshot did to this woman got her drunk and then said, I go for the pretty ones. That was terrible. Is here we go. The H word that you don't like. And well, actually that you use a lot. You love it. Is Batman a hypocrite for preventing Kane from having a death wish when he allowed Cass to have a death wish? That's actually a really good question. How should I spin this? <laughs> I think with Cass, because he relates to Cass, he trusts in her to like f- to have have honest meaning in fighting Shiva. And I think that like I don't I think I think Barbara was more keen on the fact that Cass wanted to die, whereas he thought that he just wanted to fight Shiva to prove something. I don't think that he I don't know. Um, again, it's different writers. There might be some hypocrisy there. There might be some inconsistency there. Maybe he relates to, to Cass too much to know what's to know too much of what's good for her. Uh, whereas with Kane, it's like, well, you're in my city, so I might as well keep, protect you. No, that's that's a that's a good point. Is Kane better alive or dead for Cass? That's another good question. Two in a row. I'm impressed. Thank you. And it's midnight. <laughs> uh, and it was up at 4:30. You're yeah. off tomorrow, right? I am off tomorrow. <laughs> That's why I did this. Yeah, Better, uh, I, I I like him alive. I don't like that he was killed off in uh, Batman and Robin Eternal, and I I don't like what they've done with him later on in, in the stories. But like, uh, I think if Cassandra continues to believe that she and other people can be redeemed, I think holding out hope for David Kane is good for her character. Okay, it's just interesting how he's going back on what he said earlier in, in Batgirl, right? Where he didn't want her around her, and now he's like, it, "Your daughter deserves a chance to know her father, and I don't want another orphan around." Right? So it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, do we understand why Kane is the way he is now, devoid of hope and ready to die? I guess that goes back really. You probably already answered that, I guess, where he you called him a loser and that, you know, he he didn't really have a purpose. He was purposeless. So he was ready to die. Yeah, I, I, I think I believe he is. Okay. Um, I really like the, the invocation of Deadshot. I think Deadshot's a neat character to bring in every now and then. And yeah. especially he's a he's a Batman villain, technically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this was I. I did think this was funny that like this just isn't your day, is it? Where he opened that wall, <laughs> and the wall was like this illegal. I don't yeah. know what was going on down there, but it's like below something. Like of course this would happen. All of these guns and everything, and then he's got to deal with all that and David Kane at the same time. Okay, it's 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 a, it's a good story, but like it, it it feels like tangential. Yeah. Well, I guess that we see what David Kane is doing, but yeah, I I, I feel what you're saying. And Cass isn't involved in it at all, but that's because we have this. So this is our final issue. Our final issue. Look at this, man. Oh, you can see the slow motion. So this is Batgirl 33 Father's Day. Oh, this is interesting, right? So what sort of, I said, this is like me and my job where they'll ask me to bring them a walker or a board and that's it. You know, I I can't help with the patient or anything, but you know, she's just like, okay. Or he says, okay, uh, Batgirl, this guy, he's superhuman. If he starts to wake up, you need to hit him and just watch over him. Thought, what sort of, isn't she capable of more than that? <laughs> I like, I, I, I actually kind of like that. Like, like he, she is literally a tool in this, but you know, he knows that she's up for it and that she's, that she's up for the task. So like, I, I I'd actually kind of dig that. 
But well, that then you're a hypocrite because you said five hours ago that you didn't like that Barbara used the back rolls like that. I don't know. I feel like, like, like Batman shows more emotion to her than, than Barbara does. Okay. She's like, she's always like, get out of here, kids. You bother me. Whereas in this scene, Batman's like, wait a minute. Tomorrow's the anniversary of the day you became Batgirl. Oracle said, you guys were thinking about celebrating as a birthday. I think that's a good idea. Like, you know, that's cool. When can Batman, since when can Batman fold steel or metal? (laughs) Oh, I'm sure it's not. Okay. Just wondered if you saw that panel there. Where is this alpha thing coming from? Does this pop up later on in her story or is it just for this? This started out, I think, the issues. There are issues that we didn't cover because I think the last one was like uh, Batgirl. Okay. I think that four parted with like Robin and Green Arrow and spoiler happens and alpha shows up in that one. And yeah, that one's a that one begins to be kind of an, a little bit of an ongoing story. So like, yeah, you're not missing anything. Okay, so I guess I might get back to it. Yeah. Okay. Confusing line down here. Uh, Bab says to Cass, "He raised you, as in Kane." So he's telling her, "Why don't you just go and talk to him?" But he raised you, trained you, framed Batman for murder just to see if he was worthy of you. Then turned himself in. Do you agree with that? Did he frame Batman to see if he was worthy of Cass? Or is this out of left field? I think he framed Batman for kind of like revenge and to, to show Batman that he wasn't worthy to be with, that, that Batman was not worthy of Cass. So maybe like I would have worded it differently than Babs does. Yeah. Okay. Oh, playing yeah. dress up. The first person like like montage where like Barbara's like uh, putting makeup and lipstick and glasses on her. Absolutely. I do find it interesting that, you know, Batman wants Kane around for Cass to get to know him, but also doesn't want Cass to see him. So I'm trying to work through that, but I'm sure it'll make sense in the long run. So calm, composure, and then all of a sudden... A waste of time. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. Look at that. Who do you think you are? And of course, she has to take out the the guards as well and uh, kill again, and I kill you. So this was pretty intense. Boost! is is great uh so many great damien scott details i love her crushing the glasses while she's like points out who do you think you are takes out the guards you kill again i kill you and ask for a birthday and you know now we have an official birthday for Cass. it's january 26th we do and this when she says it's not really my birthday this actually reminds me of smallville and i only remember this because there's a kiss in this particular episode. <gasps> it's what? Kind of, it's the first. <laughs> it's the first official Clark and Lana kiss. Because the other ones, you know, Clark, there was some red kryptonite and all that stuff involved. But it's the end of season one. I'm pretty sure. Or no, that was the tornado. End of season two. It's his birthday, and he's like, "It's not really. It's just the date that." my parents picked he's like well maybe it's the date we choose to remember when you came into our lives and then there's a smooch but anyways this just (laughs) reminds me of that like you know it's not really my birthday but actually you know this is a really momentous day why can't it be your birthday so i like that (sighs) does batman know what happened in the uh, prison you think is that why she apologizes and he says forget it yeah i think so okay 
And I guess I would like to see what those conversations looked like afterwards. I mean, he says, forget it. So I guess there won't be one, but maybe with Oracle. And I think that's all I have to say about Father's Day. He, gave, he gives her a present. She yeah. smiles. It's not my birthday. He says, says who? It's Father's Day. Proving that like um, uh, after the scene where like Kane says what her, what her day of birth is, it's like, you know, who's the better father here? Yeah. And this is a very, 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 <sighs> very, very lovely page. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Can't believe it. Well, we finished. We have finished. So I guess the following questions are, how would you rate this story in terms of other Batman stories? Oh man. And, uh, and then we'll do our final rating. I'll go first so I can give you a a little think. I did not like this as much as murderer. I think the reason why, if I had followed your original reading order and ignored others, maybe I would. You would have read Azrael. I wouldn't have, yeah. And maybe that would have been better because it would have cut out parts, but I just wanted to be a com- completionist and have everything. So it, there's just so many details and then you know, side stories that didn't make sense, like the the undertaker or whatever it was called. So yeah, it was just, it's so big. It's so big. Mm -hmm. It seems. And I wonder if it could have been compartmentalized. I don't know, like made smaller. Could we have cut out some fat, trimmed it down a bit, but anyway, so I, I would say not as much as murderer, but I did enjoy it. And I like how it came together because murderer was all about breaking down the bat family really and this one was about building them back up so i did appreciate that i agree with that murder is just an easier story to read i really genuinely honestly unintentionally forgot how and you know i had the three traits but those three traits are kind of thin there's so much to this story and i remembered once you kind of get into like the conspiracy of the framing i was like i know why this happens i kind of forgot about the whole amherst stuff and I think that the Purities trilogy is just problematic in that it starts off one thing and then leans into the other thing that's not even that's not even followed up on until the next issue of Detective Comics, and then that leads in Gotham Knights. I think it may, it probably makes for good storytelling as a mystery, but it's tough in, in, if you reread it all together. And I think that like there are some Batman stories that just don't need to be there. And if they just kind of focus on the Bat family stories and and like half or a third of the Batman stories. That makes for a more a more restrained crossover. So I agree that like it, it's very much like Nightfall, and that like my favorite part of Nightfall is Broken Bat. The whole thing with Bruce Wayne just fighting mm-hmm. the Batman villains and, and breaking down, and then after, after that, I still enjoy it. But there's a lot of like you know one-off stories. <laughs> like Azrael fights this guy, and there's like you know this interaction with Azbats and stuff like that, where it feels less focused and kind of just showing off the world while this storyline is happening. So, but. The highs of Fugitive are very high. You've got the turning point issue with Sean Phillips on art with uh, Detective Sloan. You have Batman 604, where he realizes that he actually, oh, is Bruce Wayne. Uh, I like the Nightwing story that goes into the cave. Um, you have the, I think the two Batgirl issues are great. Not, not counting like the, the David Kane epilogue. The Birds of Prey stories are good. Uh, I think that the 605 is great. So there's some really big highs here. But I think that Murderer was more consistent with like solid issues. I don't think there's any down issues, even though there's obviously some issues where half is cut out because they're irrelevant to the story. So I like it, but there's so much more and I, I like it, but like there, because there's so much more, there's more, there's a, there's a, there's a, 
the ratio is against it for me to like like it as consistently as consistently as I like it from her. Yeah. What would you give this out of ten? Let's think about this. Sasha and Bruce kisses. <laughs> it's funny because I just kind of I do kind of like think back to this whole thing as a Bruce Wayne murder slash fugitive whole story. But if we are separating these two, I gave murder a ten. This one gets. Um, this one, this one, I almost gave this one an eight point five, but I'm going to give it a nine just because the highs are super high. Okay. I, I, I love six oh five. I love the the investigation of it, how intelligent the, the mystery is. I do like it. I just think it's it just has fat that needs to be trimmed. I think, yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm gonna low. I'm gonna be low. I think I think I might say oh a seven and a half out of ten. I think I might be really kind of low. Yeah. What'd you give murder? I don't remember. <laughs> it's like, it's, I think that was like I think a gave that in nine, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe an eight. I just know that it's low. Seven point five to an eight. So seven and seven and three quarters, maybe. Wait, which isn't low, but it's lower than murderer. Yeah. Yeah. And just to show. I, I again I think there are some unnecessary issues. So if people are looking for, you know, what to cut, maybe, maybe we've told them in this. Oof. Okay. I can't believe we survived that. <laughs> um, Does this beat out our four-hour marathon in Kentucky? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I was just thinking like, oh, man, how long will this take to edit? But at least we did it on a Tuesday, so I have some time. Have you been watching any anime? Just My Hero Academia. Okay. Um, but uh, Chainsaw Man's coming out, and everybody's excited about that, so I might check out Chainsaw Man. Um, I'm sure I, I'm chopping, I mean, I'm chopping the bit to get my literary recommendations, but have you watched the anime? I'm so sorry. I know we're, we're about to do that. I do. Yes. I was going through now that theaters have opened up. Regal often has fathom events. And so like in August, late August, I'm going to see Lupin the third, the first in theaters, nice. which I was supposed to see before the pandemic. And then they closed like, oh, that was so fresh. So I'm going to see that. And then I saw something I thought, oh, this looks cute called Shirobako, the, the movie. And then I was doing research and saw that it had a series before. So it's a film after the series. So it's 24 episodes ran from between 2014 and 2015. It all started in Kaminoyama High School when five best friends, a, oh boy, maybe I'll skip their names, discovered their collective love for all things anime and formed the animation club. After making their first amateur anime together and showcasing it at the Culture Festival, the group vow to pursue careers in the industry, among, aiming to one day work together and create their own mainstream show. And then two and a half years later, uh, we've got, I feel like it's later than that, but two of them have landed roles at an actual animation production company. And the other ones are, are finding it's uh, difficult to get their dream jobs, like a voice actress and uh, someone who's designing 3D models, but wants to do more than just cars. And then one of them's still in college and she wants to be a writer. But it's really interesting because it's an anime about making anime. And I actually... If it's accurate, I learned a lot about the process and what it's like because it actually goes into details about keyframing and like interstitials and things like that. It was really interesting and it was fun. It's like it's definitely a slice of life, which is my favorite genre. So I'm looking forward to seeing the film. It'll be in August. So I watched it very quickly. <sighs> okay, so that's all I watched, really. And now we can get on to <laughs> that's the only reason why Tom comes on my show. Literature recommendations. Yes. Donna. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't wait. 
super sex. Oh my gosh. Sexuality, fantasy, and the superhero. Oh man. Oh, is there a two kissing? Kissy, kissy? Praise for super sex. <gasps> Carol and Coca. <laughs> it's true. We know her. She's quoted a lot in this. Really? Uh, which I did not. I honestly did not know when I, when I spent the $70 on it. Really? Um, is that expensive? Yeah, but it's worth it. It's a really good read. Maybe she's getting checks cut to her. Uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> there's some really interesting stuff in here. It's basically about like sexual identity and superhero um, comic books. I can read. I can just you know read you some of the. Um, I'll give you the summary. Okay. Um, exploring sexual themes and imagery within mainstream comic books, television shows, and films, as well as independent and explicitly pornographic productions, catering to various orientations and kinks. Super Sex offers a fresh and lascivious perspective on the superhero genre's historical and contemporary popularity. Across 14 essays touching on Superman, Batman, and the X-Men, and many others, Anna F. Pepperd and her contributors present superhero sexuality as both dangerously exciting and excitingly dangerous, encapsulating the superhero genre's worst impulses and the most, its most productively rebellious ones. Super Sex argues that sex is at the heart of our fascination with superheroes, even and sometimes especially when the capes and tights stay on. But this gets into like chapters called A Storm of Passion, Sexual Agency, and Symbolic Capital in the X-Men's Storm. Um, Superman Family Values, Super Sex in the Silver Age. X-Men Films and the Domestication of Descent, Sexuality, Race, and Respectability. Over the Rainbow Bridge, Female slash Queer Sexuality in Marvel's Thor Film Trilogy. Mm. No no one's going to be looking at your face, the female gaze, and the new Superman in Lois and Clark, the new version of Superman. And the chapter that i'm currently on the visible and invisible superheroes pornography and the and phallic masculinity <gasps> and you know the, 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 the what what centers that chapter so far if they keep on going back to it is the scene from thor ragnarok where, where hulk is naked and thor is like really embarrassed like they mention that a ton <laughs> how, how it, it means so much it so means I'm, I'm learning quite a so bit. much did they yes. talk about steve trevor being naked in the jacuzzi on paradise island uh, if they do, I've not gotten to that yet. Okay. But um, uh, it's it's an, and it's interesting because I'm, I'm learning because I'm not read a lot of like the, the good Claremont X Men stuff. So they talk about Storm in a very interesting ways about how she started out rather fetishistic and exoticized, and how she, that, she kind of moved away from that with the same writer and kind of like kind of grew up in that way. And and um, there's some like I never knew that there was like some queer subtext between her and Yukio. Uh, that one issue, I was like, huh, I never knew about that. So. This is a very, very, very worthwhile read that has Carolyn Cook's seal of approval in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, Carolyn knows. Do you feel like the Thor Hulk scene is similar to what <laughs> is similar to what you experience at Planet Fitness's locker room? Yes. <laughs> Especially that, that was, one guy you told me about. That guy was big. <laughs> If I were him, I would do the same thing. <laughs> oh, man. I avoid undressing in front of people at all costs. So I don't okay. get naked. I, I just like change my, my, my pants and stuff. I know, so but I, well, I just don't know. Why Why are you hanging out, man? Why don't you want to just get changed right away? I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, people just feeling comfortable with their own bodies. The problem is if they invade your person's space and like, 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 like you know, look at me. That's a problem. Yeah, I bet it is. Whew. Oh, man. Your stories always get me. Okay. <laughs> was 
they seem so like this can't be true, but they're I really did, stupid. I they all happen to you for some reason. Okay, yes. I think the last one I said for the previous episode was Daughter of a Daughter of a Queen. Does that sound familiar to you? Oh, gosh. Well, that was by Sarah Bird takes place. Oh, I think I did talk about that, about the real life former slave that became a uh, a soldier in the U.S. Army. So The Sun is also starred by Nicola Yoon, mm-hmm. which takes place in a full day. And it's these two seniors that meet each other just by chance. And one's actually going to be ousted from the country though she doesn't tell him and it's just like she's very scientific and doesn't really believe in love and all of that and then he's really romantic and writes poetry and things like that it's how these two characters get together and that's going to be the next next required reading all the pretty horses by cormac mccarthy which is of course a film as well and that's about a young man who travels south to mexico uh works with horses falls in love with uh, the daughter of of the overseer and then gets into some trouble. And that was really good. Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close by Jonathan Saffron Four. And that's the next required reading. And Tom and I were not sold on it. Mm. For the first time, I read The Sandman, which, you know, this probably maybe I lost some credit of my comic expertise since it's the first Sandman I read. The Preludes and Nocturnes, Volume 1 by Neil Gaiman. Uh, I enjoyed it. I might continue reading The Sandman. Schoolgirls or The African Mean Girls Play by Jocelyn Bio, which was, I very much enjoy that. Earwig and the Witch, I don't recommend, by Diana Wynne-Jones. I just saw the anime and then I read the book to illuminate some of the things that were missing in the anime. And I didn't get the answers I was looking for. And then, of course, Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne Fugitive. I didn't put on here because I was embarrassed to do so. Sunstone. <laughs> I did read Sunstone. Volume 1. You told me there was nudity. I was like, oh, there's probably just going to be the Tatas. No, man, I, I was seeing the bushes all over the place. Luckily, <laughs> if there were any spread legs, they strategically placed other things there, kind of like Austin Powers. I right. have some questions, but I think that I might save them for off air, <laughs> not at, <laughs> at midnight. But for the most part, it was pretty good. I think I was more okay, good. interested in... I guess the like the romantic moments between the two, like if they would they were like kissing, but they were fully clothed because there was more like intimacy. I felt like in those scenes than in like the nude scenes, which I suppose sounds, I don't know, ironic. But um, yeah, so I'm interested in what happens. I told you I looked ahead at all the covers of the next issues and like or the volumes. And it looks like the final one, the what the woman, I can't remember which one is with a man. I'm like, what do they not? end up together so i don't know if i'll know either I, I, I should yeah continue volume i two. guess we'll have to continue on this journey together but i do have some questions that i will ask you about later on first oh, thing in the boy. morning yeah i know donovan thank you so much for being on this marathon with me thank you very much for having me on and as i said i would I'll, I will come every anytime you need me, but I will oh. no longer demand to be on here. Yes. Because I've, I've, I've taken up enough demand. of your time. Oh, yeah. Now we'll switch over to Josh and he'll be on multiple episodes. Okay. Well, remember, you can send any questions or comments. Oh, I'm so sorry. We, we need to promote you real quick. Where can we find you besides quinoa? 
Kino answers at gmail.com. Our most recent episode was talking about reboots with Joshua Levin Bertoni. Mm-hmm. He was on there. Check that out. We mm-hmm. Our next slated episode, which I scheduled yet, probably this week, it's, uh, we're going to do a commentary on one of Harry's most favorite films in the universe, probably his most favorite film, The Matrix. Um, <gasps> that, that'll be fun. Forward to hearing him wax poetic about that. Uh, I also uh, review Nightwing on the BatmanUniverse.net. And uh, you can find my work at DC Universe slash DC Event, uh, written articles for that. And my Twitter handle is DonoDMG1. Docs me there. And the next, oh my gosh, the next next Quinoa episode will be a commentary on Alien 4 with me. Okay, remember you can send any questions or comments to thatcurltheoracle at gmail.com. Find the show on Google Play and Stitcher. Like the show on Facebook. Follow it on Twitter at thatcurltheoracle. Subscribe to the show on YouTube for an uncut version, which is all this stuff. Uh, Follow the Batman Universe on Facebook and Twitter as well. And support the Batman Universe by subscribing to Patreon. Once again, thanks to Mile High Comics for sponsoring Batgirl the Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. And until next time... Fly on, Babs lovers. Fly on, Babs lovers. Fight on, cats lovers. <gasps> Just plain Barbara Gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. I love a happy ending, don't you?